0: This is episode number 55. Ooh. See, I would have thought that you would have been a 50. You say you were 43. You know what's
1: interesting? I was 55 you at one should, point yeah, in my I life. Mean, I,
0: I I had conversations. With, this is going back years and years when I was working on DC radio. I had a lot of conversations with people about numbers and body types. <laughs> a lot of conversations? Yeah, like football numbers yeah. and body types. It's certain football numbers only fit like... I remember when the Redskins they they they, they drafted like a Heath Schuler, familiar, and they, and they were gonna he was like Tennessee and they were gonna mm-hmm. they were gonna put like a twenty one on him or something and we were we had this conversation that when you're lean, you know ones are good, yeah, fifty fives are for kind of stocky guys, yeah, I mean, just, for sure, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's actual there's an, an actual like when you're a quarterback, only certain body types can wear fifteen. Oh, it's that specific. Oh yeah. Oh gotcha. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like you need to be you need to be sturdy to wear fifteen. Oh, interesting. If you're kinda of tall and lean a quarterback, you need to wear eleven like eleven Danny White, 10,
1: you know, you need to you, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean if I see a sixty two, I know exactly what that guy looks like.
0: Yeah, but you're talking about, like, oh, he's positions. an offensive lineman. You're, you're more talking about offensive lineman 62. You're breaking it down even yeah, further. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. you I got to have it. Okay. And when I look at you, I see 55.
1: <laughs> I was 55 <laughs> until I discovered Nick Bell. I swear to you. I was because our friend Brian Bosworth was forced to wear 55 on the Seahawks. Our friend. Yes. What do you mean? He was Because he wouldn't, they didn't allow him to wear 44 Correct. or something? Because that's a Look DB you, and number. that's a touchy subject for you. Oh, You're looking at me like... I'm still mad at the NFL <laughs> for that. In fact, I'm thinking about not watching this year because of that. Yeah, because uh, 44 is for running backs and, line, and uh, DBs. And he yeah. was a linebacker. He couldn't wear it. But there were some exceptions that were, you know, that kind of made him mad. There were I think that's relaxed
0: that now, right? I don't know. Maybe. A
1: little bit of relaxed. I mean, years ago,
0: there, you wouldn't be able to wear like 10, 11, 12 as receivers. Receivers were 80s. Yes. For 100 years, receivers were 80s. Somewhere along the line, they started allowing receivers to wear 10s and 11s and single-digit numbers. Anyway, it's episode
1: 55. (laughs) Let's do another two hours on that. (laughs) Episode
0: 55. Great to have you. Not just you, but the listeners. Thanks for listening to all the listeners. And we ask all of you that if you enjoy Mitch Unfiltered or you're new to Mitch Unfiltered, Then tell a few friends, because we're revving up for the NFL season. We are into college football season. I can't keep up. And we're, yeah. Such a fun time, right? On your way over here, (laughs) Calitro got cut. (laughs)
1: Right, right. I cannot keep up. And he's on the phone going, what did I do? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Wait, you told me I made it a day ago, right? Why do we
0: even watch these preseason football games? Our eyes are here. And did he not make every play? I mean, not that I want this to be about Calitro, I think there's some other guys to talk about. But did that guy not, like, burst through and make every play during the preseason? We watch these preseason games. We ask ourselves, why in the hell am I watching this stuff? Then a guy goes out and makes every play under the sun, and he gets cut on the on the Tuesday or the Monday
1: before the opening. Game. He did everything he was supposed to do. He looked like the fourth best linebacker on the Seahawks. Yeah, and right? looked
0: like a special team. Stu- like, he, yeah. like, what tackle is he not going to make on special teams? Right. And now he's
1: out. Two days ago, if he's I say, done. Okay, I'm gonna bet, I have a bet for you, Mitch. Yeah, Calitro gets cut, BBK yeah. makes it. You would have taken that in a heartbeat. Oh my god. Right?
0: I just asked <laughs> we have Henderson on this on this deal like we normally do, and I just asked him if I had asked you a week ago what the chances are that both Shaquem Griffin and Ben Burke were gonna be on the final roster, yeah. he said like he he would have put me in an insane asylum. Yeah. Which which, by the way, might be a good place for me to begin with <laughs> yeah, but we, we don't a have a story it's not because of Ben Burkerman <laughs> right <Okay. laughs>
1: you should belong there anyway Yeah, <laughs> Ben Burkerman
0: is way down on the list of reasons why I
1: should be the <laughs> that's very aside. true <laughs> yeah.
0: anyway alright so we're getting ready for the NFL season we want everybody to enjoy Mitch Unfiltered I ask everybody to, uh, to not only subscribe and listen but tell some friends people who you know that maybe used to listen to the old yeah, I used to do a radio show I don't know if you know that I used to do a radio show in town oh
1: radio the thing my dad listened to back in the day. Gotcha. correct.
0: Okay. I used to do that. Anybody out there that uh, that might know some people that don't know that Mitch Unfiltered exists, tell them about Apple. Tell them about Spotify and Google. We do two shows per week. The next one will be this Thursday. You'll want to hear those during the football season, but it's only available. The second full show each week is only available to patrons. We That's call right. them the P episodes. It costs $5 a week minimum to become a patron. You can do that at MitchUnfiltered.com or or Patreon. That's P A T R E O, and I shouldn't even tell you that. Just do it at mitchunfiltered.com. Yeah. Much easier. It says become a patron, and then all of. By the way, and people ask this all the time after they become a patron, they ask, okay, do I have, where do I go to to listen to? They come right to if you do it. You got to do one little thing, a couple of clicks, a couple of copy and pastes, and after you become a patron, it comes straight to your Apple Podcasts site, I- like.
1: Can yeah. I add one thing to that? Yeah. I realize that they also have their own podcast listening app, which I downloaded, and it just comes right to the app. So Patreon has their own app. That's but why
0: a- would you want the patrons' shows on one app
1: – and the Apple shows on the other. Wouldn't you want
0: them all in the same place?
1: Yeah, but I, I like some people couldn't figure it out at first. I was listening <laughs> off the website, and I was like, oh, "Look, they, they, have their own, oh. their own app. It's awesome." Oh. So my point is, there's different ways to do it. Yeah. It's very easy.
0: I, I think for me, and I don't, and I don't have an Apple device. My kids have been killing me to get an app. I'm, I'm more of a Microsoft guy. Oh, good for you. I, I have friends that work at Microsoft and that have worked at Microsoft, mm-hmm. and I have felt. I have felt loyal to them over the years, except for the fact that they now all have Apple
1: devices. (laughs) Wait, I'm sorry. You have a Windows phone? You have a Windows phone? No, I just don't have an Apple phone. Oh, (laughs) okay.
0: There was a time and day where I felt if I got an Apple phone, not an Android, but an Apple phone, that was a real... Kind of shot yeah. low blow to my friends that worked at Microsoft. I could and then two weeks later they had all that Apple phones. Well,
1: I, can, I can tell you that the first time I interviewed for Microsoft, I had yeah. a Windows phone that Microsoft used to make phones. Yeah, yeah it, I know that. All right, I think so, I never got one of those. Yeah. And so during the interview, I jokingly yeah. said, Look, I'm already a company guy. I got the Windows phone. I looked yeah. down and the three of them had iPhones <laughs> sitting in front of me. Like, they couldn't have given two shits about that. Like, I was like you're stupid that it almost hurt me in the interview, right? <laughs> yes, everyone at Microsoft right. has an iPhone. But
0: but if you have an iPhone, phone and you listen to mitch unfiltered because it comes into the apple podcast app what i'm saying is with a copy and a paste after you become a patron they'll come right in it's easy so you'll have the regular episodes and the patron episodes on thursday coming up on this episode 55 we've got a billion things to talk about which is good and bad i always felt during when i used to do that that Radio show. Mm, That's right, yeah. Uh, Sports radio is hard, I'm finding out. I used to (laughs) think... I used to have a... It used to be very bittersweet. Football season used to be bittersweet for me. Because on one hand... It was chock full of stuff. I didn't have to go hunting for stuff. Those shows were we had regular guests like we do on the podcast, A lot easier. and it, it was just easier mm-hmm. to prepare. And there was always something. And all at football season, college football, pro, it was right there for you. Yep. That was the the sweet. The bitter was I didn't do as much of the off the cuff stuff that I love to do. Like I, people know this who listened. Yeah, I use I love to do the. You know the zany, off-the-cuff yeah. stuff. If I were to veer outside of sports, I'd get hammered during football. I, do you do you not understand <laughs> that Washington plays Eastern Washington this Saturday, <laughs> right. and you're talking about this? <laughs> you know, I would well, get hammered during football season. But I could create. We could do. We could take chances and do other things during non-football season. So, but this is not
1: the radio show. That's right. We can do that's both. That's The good news: people can fast forward or you know whatever we they want to do. Both. do. Yeah. I can still
0: veer off that's of. That's right. Off of football and off of sports if I want. Coming up on episode 55, we're going to hit the, uh, I felt like a responsibility. This becomes, this is probably the most local episode of Mitch Unfiltered. When we first started, people asked, a lot of friends asked, are you going to make it a national show? More of a, or is it all going to be about Seattle sports? And if you, I mean, if you think about it, now you might not agree. Going back the last few months, we've done very, very little local sports. Our chatter has been lifestyle. It's been um, stuff going on in the national world. The only thing locally that's been happening in the last several months outside of a little bit of Seahawks has been Mariners, and we haven't talked about Mariners at all. So it's been a really a national – we've done national interviews outside of sports. We've done a lot of different things. Most of the interviews, it feels like, aren't like – Almost all of them have been national. This particular episode, I just felt like, okay, Washington played and looked great the Seahawks are about to play they acquire a huge i mean this is one of the biggest trades when you think about the timing of it and who it is it's one of the bigger trades in Seahawks team history based on t- i just felt like okay let's hit this let's hit this show a little bit more local than we would normally do so aaron having said that we're going to houston <laughs> but aaron reese is the uh, the athletics houston texans guy He had a unique perspective about watching every game that Jadavion Clowney played. Kind of the Houston Texans perspective of why they traded him, what they got, what the Seahawks got. Will he be ready to play this week? Is Is he injury prone or is he not injury prone? Is he a good pass rusher or is he a great pass rusher? Is he better in run stopping? I mean... Just a very good interview that I did with with Aaron Reese to talk about Jadavion clowning.
1: I think the Seahawks fans can use a little of that because all they've been doing the past 48 hours is watching that one hit against Michigan. <laughs> that's all they, they've had that on a loop in their house. There's another one that's making the rounds about him
0: grabbing a running back, going to the side. Did you see that? No, I haven't seen that somebody one. Somebody said this should be illegal or something. He like grabbed him from like the, the back and pulled him. Not a yeah. horse collar, but grabbed so him down. Anyway, a Aaron, little tough love will be
1: nice from yes. the guy who's watched every
2: game. Well,
0: I don't know that it's tough love. Okay. I'm not... I don't want to build this as tough love. I just think it's a, it's a profile of Judavian Clowney from somebody who's covered him since the day he came into the league. As opposed to us, who like see the highlights and watch
1: TV. <laughs> yeah, we just see a helmet rolling yeah. down <laughs> the field. That's all we see. That's it. Yeah. yeah, that's it.
0: Brady Henderson will be with us. Also, the voice of the Huskies, who has not been on the show yet, going to make his, his maiden voyage, is, is Tony Castrocone. The voice great. of the uh, Washington Huskies is going to tell us all about what happened on
1: Saturday. You were there. I ran, in, tell us. I ran
0: into the guy that used to do
1: that job, Bob Rondo. Was he there? He was sitting right in front of me, like two or three. Really? Rows, sitting there watching. I don't know if it's his kids or grand. I, I don't I don't know him that well, but he was sitting yeah. there with some kids and his wife. And yeah, I said hello to him afterwards and offered him 20 bucks to come do play-by-play for my family <laughs> during the game. He, <laughs> he did have, He did say that'd be the first money I earned in two years. So I'll think about it. Uh, you know, it was great to see Bob Rondo at the Husky game. You got to say to Bob next
0: time you see him, hey, uh, what? Well, uh, are you do you sit in those seats all the time or is that just a one I typically
1: thing? sit there when I get the tickets it's yeah but no I don't have season tickets but you might
0: if, see him again yes tell him that Mitch hasn't messaged for him when you see him okay <laughs> don't you have something to do just, just say <laughs> okay just, just like that and he'll he'll know no just say Bob don't, Mitch wants to know don't you have something to do all right yeah, I'll tell on. him get back up there
1: yeah I know yeah
0: he retired way too soon get back up there he I miss did. the dulcet tones of Bob Ron.
1: It's so cool when you see him like and you hear him in person. Like yeah. it sounds exactly, exactly like he like. does on the radio. Such exactly a cool voice. Exactly like. Yeah.
0: All right, so uh, episode 55 and we so there's a lot of local stuff, but there's also some national stuff too that we'll start with as well as we begin episode 55. Don't forget our partners for episode 55, Daniel's Broiler with four big time locations, each providing subtly different ambiances, the same world-class service and the best steaks anywhere less shy marina south lake union a top bellevue place and the newest jewel right downtown The brand new Hyatt Regency. There's just no place like Daniel's for special occasions. The Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage. More and more families are taking this opportunity to save money on a refinance of their home. Jordan Flowers Guild Mortgage Group in Kirkland waiting to save you money every month. The three of the top 1% brokers in the Kirkland office alone. 425 250-3150. Two five zero thirty one fifty 3150 Evergreen Govcall, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Check out the new Evergreen Exchange podcast. I interviewed Tyler on a recent podcast, an upcoming episode. See what Tyler and his crew do at EvergreenGovcall.com, Evergreen G-A-V-E-K-A-L dot And Zeke's Pizza now with 17 big locations from Bothell to Tacoma, the brand new one in Woodinville, truly homegrown in the Northwest, offering a perfect spot to watch football, enjoy pizza, and bring your youth sports teams, Zeke'sPizza.com. Episode 55 starts right now. Unfiltered. The current Mariners have virtually no players. There's like three or four players on this whole roster right now that you can sit down and watch on a nightly basis and go, okay, I want to watch these three. I know they're going to lose. I want to watch these 10 guys because I know that someday when they're good, these 10 guys are going to play a part of it, right? There's no guys. Unfiltered. You know Meek Mill from from South Philadelphia? Roll number one, never count your homie pockets thinking you deserve it. Rule number two, never trust a bitch. Uh, rule number three, save you some of that money. You better stop splurging, cause when it's all said and done and you back at the bottom, they got treat you like you worthless respect the game. Mitch is unfiltered. Alright, Hotshot Scott is here. Episode 55, episode Oral Hershiser. He was good. Episode Junior Seau, one of the great tragedies. Yeah, but also a great player. Great, great player. Junior Seau comes up
1: with a huge play. The Chargers are going to the Super Bowl.
0: Episode, now you won't know this name because I didn't, Larry Murphy. No Larry Murphy? Delirious and Raw Fame? No, oh, okay. 23 seasons an NHL defenseman, one of um, the top scores as a defenseman in NHL history as a defenseman Larry Murphy. Episode Derek Brooks, oh, underrated linebacker in Did the NFL. Did he pass away? No. Okay. No, you're Different thinking Derek. You're thinking of Derek Thomas Derek who Thomas, was the chief yeah. defensive end. Okay. Derek Brooks. Yeah, who had uh that that day that he had like 6 sacks. He had Who was it? Was it Dave Craig? Dave Craig, yeah. He had him in the grass for like
1: one more. (laughs) And then I think Dave got the ball
0: off, too. Two. (laughs) I think Paul Scancy on the receiving (laughs) end. Nice. I might be making that up. right. And how about episode Dikembe Mutombo? Big
1: fan. I always liked him. Yeah, doing the finger wave. Except when he was on the... Oh. On the
0: floor at the Coliseum, on his back, after the
1: first eight seed
0: had ever beaten a number
1: one seed. I managed to block that out of my life. Thank you for bringing <laughs> it back up. That was awful.
0: We have to figure that out. We'll figure out uh, the naming rights to the show, Brian Bosworth. In the okay, last go on.
1: segment. He was 55 for the Seahawks. He's just got to throw him in. He ain't going to win, but we got to throw him in.
0: Do you want him to win? Do you want me to name an episode
1: Oh, <laughs> I would love it more than anything. I might just do it for All right, him. I appreciate It'll depend that. on your behavior. Thank you treatments. so much, yes.
0: Uh, before we get to football, can I just – is it okay for me to give you a, the sa- I, need, I need to be sappy for a second. Can I be sappy for a second? You know where I'm going to go because well,
1: you're prepared for the show. It's not called Scott Unfiltered, so hey, go ahead. It's your show. Feel free. All right, I won't do it. Be sappy. No, I, I feel like it's a good story, though, if it's all Do you know I'm the story? Of. Did you see the story? I think I did, yeah.
0: I don't want to start with tennis, but I have to start <laughs> with this story. This what I, I was thinking about, I have watched this no less than five times and what i'm talking about for people who probably have had busy weekend, had a busy labor day weekend at the us open this isn't really a tennis thing this is a, a sportsmanship thing and i just want to be i want to get it out of the way because i want to talk about it i don't want to i don't want to get caught up in Jadavion clowny and then forget
1: this but i do have a question for you about tennis after you tell the story oh you
0: can okay. that's fine that'd be good uh, a couple of days ago you know the the people might or might not know the Coco Goff story this is a 15 year old american teenager from aventura florida lives in the same home to lives 1 minute now from my mom oh, interesting. and my brother right right in the same neighborhood yeah. as my brother 15 years old his ra- kind of rising up the tennis chart she's a terrific young woman she is an unbelievable young player. She somehow got into Wimbledon. She beat Venus Williams at Wimbledon. She created this huge...
1: was it, it Venus her idol, too, or Serena? Yeah, of course, went, and of course, she, both. Yeah, beat, she, she beat, got to beat her idol. She got to beat her idol. <laughs> cool. She's
0: just been the talk of the tennis world. She got... And she came home to, like, a hero's welcome. They are all at the airport. They don't, they don't... Not for me. When I go home to, to visit my... <laughs> Doesn't happen. No. And she got into the U.S. Open... She uh, got in as a qualifier, I think. Then she won her first two matches again. Fifteen years old, I, I think she's a high school sophomore. I mean, think 15, about that. That
1: sounds about right. Yeah, I know. high school Amazing. sophomore.
0: She ends up in the third round against the defending champion, who is Naomi Osaka. Okay, do you remember the the the? Surroundings of her winning it last year. Do you have any recollection no. of Serena Williams going off and screaming at the umpire and telling you'll never ump another oh, match? I remember that. And making yeah. just a huge scene. Yes. And there was Naomi Osaka who had won the match. The whole thing was made about Serena Williams, who I dislike. I've, I've said that before. I could say it again. I, I love Venus. I don't like Serena. Um, the whole thing, and Naomi Osaka had just won the U.S. Open. So now you fast, and she was like in tears. She didn't know. Yeah. She, she she had beaten her idol, but her idol was mad. She thought she, she it was got being ugly. treated. It got really, really yeah. ugly. It took away from her moment. Completely took away yeah. from her moment. A year later, there. I don't think it was, I think it might have been the fourth round. She's facing this Coco Golf, And I will put this on our, I will put the highlight on our uh, Facebook page, on the Mitch Unfiltered Facebook page, which you should follow. So that anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, when I tell you what happened, what you will see happened after that match, so the defending champion Osaka, who's like 21 years old, she's only 21, beat the 15-year-old easily, handily. And Coco Goff, the 15-year-old, was like on the verge of tears. Not on the verge, she was crying. Yeah, she was. She was just emotionally spent. Crying at the handshake at the net, went back to her chair, tried to fight off the tears. I mean, she was just, she was just, incredibly emotional. Understandably, at fifteen, by the way, fifteen years old. Fifteen. And what you, what you then witness, I believe, from Naomi Osaka, the next five minutes of what she did to handle this situation, I, I think I've thought about it a lot. Is the most sincere, moving. Kind of act of sportsmanship and demonstration of humility that you have ever seen in sport. You will never see anything like this. Twenty-one-year-old Osaka, she notices her, and I don't want to give too much away, but she notices her crying. She goes over to the chair after winning the match to console her, to comfort. Oh, which doesn't happen. When they, the the, the history is that the U.S. Open winner goes out on the court and goes on CBS or whatever, and uh, loudspeaker PA announcer does an interview. She refused to do it without. Coke, she brought oh, Coco Goff with her man. she talked nothing about herself she just nothing but praise her and tell her how much she loves her she even, she even turned to her mother and father did you see that? that that's the
1: part I, that I, got me it was just no you're crying it I'm was not...
0: the most incredible yep. uh Wonderful act of sport. You will never see anything quite like this. She is a this this girl, and I don't know much about Naomi Osaka except she's now one of my favorite athletes <laughs> yeah, of all time. You'll root for
1: it forever. You'll <laughs> root for it. When you
0: watch this, you cannot yep. you saw it. Yep. You cannot be moved to I was I was I was
1: crying. I was literally crying yeah. watching this. The fact that she called out the parents, what a great job you guys did with your daughter. I like maybe me choke just, up. It's like the biggest compliment you could ever get as a parent, she, right?
0: And she was just steadfast in refusing to. To talk about the win, and yeah. it, it was all. Of, she made it all about this 15-year-old and her family and her upper, It was just the most wonderful thing, and I wanted to start with it there.
1: And Naomi choked up as well. Yeah, Maybe she was you, crying yeah, during yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, it was great. It, it was, was a great moment. It was
0: really sportsmanship at its at its highest. Again, I'll put it on the. If you haven't seen it, you can just search the internet, or I'll put it on our Facebook page. Good. Uh, when we're finished with episode 55. All right, now that we've gotten that out. <clears throat> What did we? What did we we did? Fifty four P, and we talked about the 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 opportunity, the the, the chances that Jadavion Clowney was going to be acquired by the Seahawks. I told you on fifty four P that he had he had identified two teams and that he had a lot of power, and then. What was your reaction? When how did you how did you find out, and what was your reaction when when
1: you saw that he that they they literally traded for him? I was standing at a bus stop on 45th in downtown Seattle <laughs> with my family. Well, well we park away games, for the Husky game because yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. disaster down yeah, there. Yeah, I'm at a bus stop and I see it and I I, I can't believe it because we were just talking about how excited you were about the prospect of getting. him. You said I don't care if it's for one year, it's worth it. It's the right move. It's the right. Well, I didn't
0: know what they were going to pay for him. Yeah. It's now doubly, triply. Quadruply the right move, <laughs> right. considering that they gave away—I yeah. I don't, you know—some okay players yeah. and, a, and a draft choice. Hey, you guys need any I water bottles? We can throw in a couple draft. of those too. I what mean. I said to you on fifty-four P that I'll re- repeat because so many people don't are not patrons, which you should be. Is it's funny how things work in the in the NFL fandom. If you had asked me a year ago, hey, you know, like in passing, hey, do you ever watch the Texans play? And I would say, yeah, I, I, I watch a lot. Of, I have a lot of screens. I watch a lot of the NFL. What, what what did you Davion Clowney ever become? You if you had asked me that, I would have probably answered you you know, he's a he's a, he's a good player. I think he's a really good player. I'm not sure he's a great player, but he's a really good player who makes spectacular plays and he's a freakish athlete but I'm not sure that he ever really amounted to what I thought he was going to be. when well, He was the first pick Number overall. one overall. Overall. Yes. And that
1: play in the Citrus Bowl. That did it. Because okay, yeah. everybody's watching. It was like the Outback Bowl or something. Uh, yeah. yeah he the whole country saw that. Right. Everyone went, well, number one overall. So that's what I thought. Uh, that's what
0: I would have said to you a year ago. Really nice player. Pro Bowl type of player. Maybe not great, great, great. And probably not. And a little bit injury prone. He always seems to be banged yeah. up, missing practices,
1: whatever. But hasn't lived up to number one overall. Probably hasn't. No, definitely not. Okay.
0: And now, now if you would ask me a year later at 54, P. I would say, we got to have
1: this guy. <laughs> yeah. We got, please. I know. He's the best. It's right? so funny how that works. Now we all love him, oh, don't we? God. He's the greatest linebacker of all time, or he D lineman of all time. He just the freakish athlete. <laughs> yeah. He was the
0: number one guy. I know. I can't believe that they have him. It's a. It, I absolutely think that this is kind of like a season-changing event. Yeah. It could it's be. It's a season-changing event. They they acquired I, – I made the comment that on week one, if Ziggy didn't play, which he's going to play, but I made the comment to you that on week one, considering Reed's suspension, Ziggy's shoulder – Collier's injury. I made the comment to you that on paper, and I I'll stand by this. They looked like in week one before this trade they were gonna have the worst defensive line in the NFL. It was gonna be Cassius Marsh yeah. on one side, Quentin Jefferson on the other. Okay, Puna's good, but somebody else like uh, Earl Mitchell. I mean, Mingo it, or something. It was gonna be the worst defensive line on paper the NFL, and now I'm like they're the best. <laughs> It's unbelievable! <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, and I didn't even
1: think all that... I, I liked Clowney. I didn't love... Now I love Clowney. Now you love him. Yeah. Well, what do you think about when, when the the big four, like when Jaron Reed's... Can you susp- imagine that? Well, you tell me. Are you excited about that? Well, what Ziggy, you're, ta- what you're talking about is week seven. Yes.
0: And I, I'm going to show you my cynicism, but uh, week seven, the possibility of Ziggy on one side, on Clowney on the other, Puna and Reed in the oh, middle.
1: Oh, loving it.
0: Uh, with... With, oh, by the way, Call your coming off the bench, a first-round pick, yeah. and seven weeks in. And, oh, by the way, KJ, Bobby Wagner, and Kendricks behind them, front seven. It now, I, I hate to say it, I mean, <laughs> on paper, we'll go back to paper, that looks like one of the best front sevens in the National Football League. Here's here's my cynicism. And you, I want you to put put this in your calendar, put this on your phone so it reminds you, you ask me on seven, in week seven, what are the chances that something's not going to happen to ruin that. Ziggy's injury prone. Is he going to be available? In se- will we ever see Ziggy, Reed, Puna, Jadavion? Clowney could be hurt. Well, Reed will be back. We know that. Um, somebody else could get hurt. Kendricks could be sentenced and be going to jail. I forgot mean, about I, that. Right? Yeah, right. I mean, he's he's going to be sentenced in like week uh, week four of the season. I, I would love to see in weeks. And the other question is, what are the Seahawks going to do in the first six weeks? Are they going to be two and four? In week seven, are they going to be four and two? Are they going to be? are, they, are their heads going to be above water when that all all ultimately happens? Well, according so, to so you, many questions.
1: all yeah. they have to be is seven and six to be in it, right? Correct. Yeah. So well, to be
0: in a playoff, playoffs. Yeah, I don't yeah. know that they'll be in the division race. Maybe, maybe not. But playoffs, a playoff we'll race. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mister Playoffs, uh, Mister Postseason. <laughs> will tell you that.
1: Uh, but yeah,
0: I would love. Oh my
1: god. Yeah, but smash cut to three weeks from now. When, you know, Ziggy can't find the field, the guy gets sentenced, Mitch, the worst defensive line well, we don't know. in the history of we the NFL. We just don't know. <laughs> we don't know is the We problem. don't know.
0: But I promise that you're going to get a lot on Jadavian Clowney. Um, is he injured? I know that I, I, I put out a tweet. People jumped all over me. Well, he only missed games in his first two seasons. You didn't do your research. Well, no, I, I did my real. I'm very aware of when he missed games. I would just say that that injuries is not just about missed games. He's missed practices. He played hurt. I was going to ask you ineff- about missing. Like last year, for example, you're going to hear the guy from Houston. He's going to be on, I think, the next segment. Uh, you're going to hear the guy from Houston say he was hurt all off season last year, didn't play in the preseason, didn't really have a training camp. And then when he came out and tried to play in game one of the regular season, he was ineffective the first two or three weeks. So, yeah, D- has he only missed games or most of his games in the first two years, and is it overplayed his injury? Yeah, but there's more to injuries than just missing games, right. right? You could be ineffective because of injuries as well, which he was the first couple of weeks of last season. So you'll get everything you want to know about Jadavion Clowney with the guy from Houston and Brady Henderson, uh, in in this segment. Do you have any other th- before I move along? Do you have any other thoughts on Jadavion Clowney? Because we got to talk about all these other guys that got cut or didn't get cut or who made the i'm not even sure that i can have that conversation with you because i don't know who it
1: is (laughs) and i don't even know who's on the team did russell wilson make it i think he did he was by himself for a while though at quarterback (laughs) like really my question is do people go out and buy clowny jerseys or is he only going to be here for one season is that an investment worth making or not great question (laughs) it's a great question and we
0: should point out that there's an interesting development on that question uh Part of the trade – now, I, I told you on 54 people, people should go back and look at 54P. He had an incredible amount of leverage because he can't, sign, he can't sign a long-term extension anywhere with Houston or anybody else until the end of the season. That's by NFL rule, which means he can only play on the tender, which is the $15 million thing that you've heard about. Yep. Okay he's got to sign the tender. So if they say, we'll trade you to Miami and he doesn't want to play for Miami, he could just say, I'm not going to sign the tender, the deal's off. So uh, essentially he had veto rights. Which right? is unusual, right? He had I veto mean, rights. Yeah. He, but the veto rights, uh, it's a different kind of veto rights. He'd have to then not play and not earn any money. Yeah, It's not kind of the real veto rights. Uh, so, they, so the Seahawks when he decided, the information has come out that when he decided to, to okay the trade and sign with the Seahawks, the tender, the one-year tender, they had to agree that they won't franchise him next year. Oh, gotcha. I don't know if a lot of people have heard that or read that. That's a very important piece to this. Not only to that, but Houston is agreeing to pay like $8 of the $15 million on top of everything else. It was a steal of a Steel. lifetime. But the Seahawks... Typically, if they had acquired a guy like this that's playing on the tender, they could play him, try to sign him, and if not sign him, franchise him and make him play again. They can't do that. They've agreed in writing that they are not. So it comes down to either give him the huge contract that he wants or whatever contract that he wants, or he goes off on free agency. The answer to your question (laughs) is do you go buy a jersey (laughs) 91? He's not 90 here. He's 91 because of Jaron Reed's 90. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know whether he'll be here. If he has a great year, they have to do some finagling to sign him. And then you might be overpaying at that point, right,
1: for him, so it may not be worth it.
0: And if he has just an okay year... Then you're not happy with the year, but you might be able to get him on a deal. Better, so what, what better exactly, value? What are we rooting for? Yeah,
1: what are we rooting for? Have I, a mediocre I, I, year, Clowney, so no. we can see you next year, please. Yeah, I know it's weird. I, I, yeah. don't, I don't know, what we're, but
0: yeah, go. I don't know. Go out and buy a '91 jersey. All I'm right. surprised. Well, he doesn't have enough money that he he could have made a deal with Jaron Reed. Could have paid him for 90 if he really wanted number 90 i guess he didn't really
1: want 90 or they
0: couldn't make a deal
1: yeah he wasn't 90 in college i don't think So i don't think he really cares was he like 17 or yeah, something weird yeah it was weird? a weird number yeah.
0: yeah maybe 10 or something yeah something so he doesn't something really low care. Yeah. yeah yeah anything else on Jadavion Clowney? before I'm we- just
1: i'm ready to go i'm ready to see him play i cannot wait
0: anything on the on the Seahawks roster Calicho oh. got got canned got shit canned while you you were driving here right. so that's new for us by the time this people listen to this um, I like that Terry Wright was re-signed to the practice practice squad. squad yeah, yeah. He's well, okay. I mean, at least yeah. he's in the program. A little, yeah. you know. He's he's in the program. Jazz Ferguson did not
1: make the team, but made the practice squad. Yeah. Big, huge guy. I'm happy that he's on the practice squad too. I think there's something there with him. I've always liked him.
0: They took John Ursua over him, and somebody else was somebody else was pretty surprising. Uh, Devin, yeah, it was it Keenan. Ke- no, not Keenan, Keenan Reynolds. Reynolds did not make it. There was another guy that was pretty surprising that he made. I'll get, I'll get you
1: his name. Pre- Malik
0: Turner made it. Oh, Malik Turner, yeah, the that wide receivers. Was a bit of a... Yeah.
1: Well, they they re-signed Geno Smith. Yeah, which after was cutting him. <laughs> right after you hear that Russell Wilson's the only quarterback. Looks like... pretty
0: good in the fourth preseason game, Geno, against yeah. backups
1: or yeah. whatever that means. Yeah. Yeah, and I was bummed about. it. It's so funny. I'm looking through my notes from like a couple of weeks ago, and I, yeah. I, I sports sports radio, or I guess it's not sports radio, is so funny that we make so many predictions, and some come true, and so. Austin Calitro will see the field, I wrote down here. (laughs) I thought he'd be the fourth guy. He's going to be San He will see a field. (laughs) Yeah, just not anywhere
0: near Seattle. Yeah, I'm surprised about that.
1: I mean, undrafted guy. Like, I love those undrafted free agents. He was really good. Maybe something else will come out about it. You think it can't be a money thing, right? He's not making any money. No, 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 no. What is it? I don't know. Maybe Cody Barton. Maybe, yeah. they, maybe they feel like they've
0: got – and Ben Burkervin. The Let's fact that they, they, they kept Ben Burke and I look, I know he's a Washington guy, and I like Ben Burkervin. He's been on the, the podcast. But the fact that they kept Ben Burkervin and got rid of – it just doesn't make sense. The Calitro thing. And, and then going back to Shakeem Griffin. I'll, oh, ask, yeah. I'll ask again. I, I'm asking everybody that will talk to me. Nobody wants to give me the answer. Did he make the team because he's a good enough football player and showed enough – to make the team, or did he make the team because he is the twin brother of the starting corner, and he is an inspiration for good reason to so many people that were born and have disabilities around the world. I, I get it, I get it. but is that the reason he's on the team, or did he really fit? Was he, he made a good special team's play on like a punt or a kick uh, on Thursday night? Why is he on the team? Did he belong on the team over Austin Caletro? But
1: based on what you watched, is there any
0: evidence that Shaquem Griffin belonged on this team? I don't get well, that. Well,
1: did he belong on the team last year? And maybe he just had a down preseason. I mean, as we've seen, we saw Calitro make every tackle, and he gets cut, so we yeah. can't really base anything on preseason. I don't, I don't, apparently, I, I,
0: apparently not. But
1: and they I, want us to watch. I don't.
0: Yeah, they, they do. got the little arrow in the in the uh, in the
1: graphic, which I hate. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't think teams run their business that way. Like we like this guy, we feel sorry for him. Yeah. You know, I, they just can't. There's only 53 spots. That's yeah. not very many. So yeah. Clearly, he's got something special there. All
0: right, I got three interviews, a lot on Jadavian Clowney, a lot on the Seahawks, a lot on the NFL. So before we get to those interviews, a couple other things. Did you see where Justin Verlander the other night threw his third no-hitter? I did see. You saw that?
1: Well, I just saw that he threw a no-hitter, yes.
0: Third career no-hitter. And the shame of it all is the only thing that I can think about when I see Justin Verlander throw no-hitter is that I had to look at his butt in the pictures with, with oh. Kate Upton.
1: I know. We've all seen too much of him, haven't we? I know. Can't look, can't look at him the same. can't. The guy just can't. is celebrating. The guy has become, oh. I think, the
0: sixth ever, maybe seventh ever to throw three no-hitters in a year, and all I can think about is having to look at his naked butt with Kate Upton in the mirror in those pictures. I can't, I can't get his ass out of my mind.
1: Some would say you didn't have to look at the picture of Kate Upton. I mean, you know, you, nobody well, held you down in the headlock. Who's and, not
0: looking at a picture of Kate Upton in a mirror? Are you not looking at a picture of Kate Upton in the mirror?
1: Yeah, but I don't have any scruples. Could, I mean, could people she know have that. just?
0: Could somebody have like? <laughs> what do they call it when they they would, would uh Yeah, they like fuzz, fuzz it out. Yeah, or, what you, yeah, what do you like, nah. what do what do they call
1: pixel they pixelate No, no, it. no,
0: no, no. There's a, th- shopping it out or c- cutting it Photoshop out. Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. Could yeah. they have photoshopped <laughs> him out? That yeah, would have been nice. Do we need to see him? Yeah. I mean, he's. I mean he's he's. Let me. Nolan Ryan, Sandy Koufax, uh-huh. Bob Feller, Cy Young. Larry Corcoran, and Justin Verlander. Six guys in the history of baseball have thrown three no-hitters in a career. He's one of six.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say you've seen all of their butts. <laughs> I was waiting. But sometimes I don't know about that. If I, I love the internet and I can't stand it. Like, this is one time where... We don't need to see that. Like, you never saw Dan Marino naked, right? Your no, hero? No, I know. Right. So, I mean, why, why do we need to see that? Because, you know, of, Kate so because know, of Kate Upton. Because of Kate Upton. We never would have saw that 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. It's, so, it's such a weird He's time we live in. celebrating, they're
0: interviewing him. I'm thinking right. of his butt. I know. It's, just, it's, just, it's just awful. And, and when I say the names, Nolan Ryan, Sandy Koufax, Bob Feller, Larry Corcoran, and Cy Young, you should say what? You should say, who the hell is Larry Cor-
1: Corcoran? Well, yeah, but you said... Cy Young, and then him, so I'm guessing he's the oldest. Uh, Nolan Ryan, Sandy Koufax, Bob yeah. Feller, Larry
0: Corcoran, and Cy Young. Just
1: assumed it was a guy who
0: was now, really Now, you've heard old.
1: of Nolan Ryan, you've
0: yes. heard of Sandy Koufax, you've heard of Bob Feller, and you've heard of Cy Young, but you have no idea who Larry Corcoran No is idea. Because I had no idea. Wait till I tell you who Larry Corcoran was. I'm listening. You in particular are going to love Larry Corcoran. Let's go. When I, when I did a little research okay. for, the, for the show on Larry Corcoran, before we get to the interviews, he was an 1880- he made his major league debut in 1880 for the Chicago White Stockings. Is that what they were called? Yep. Whites. He stock. was a switch pitcher, threw both right-handed Whoa. and
1: left-handed. That's amazing. Threw
0: three no hitters before like the age of 30. Well, we know he threw three no hitters before the age of 30 because he died at 32. What a life. Okay. He he didn't like the catcher calling the pitches. Oh, this is what you're going to like about him. Okay. This is where he's up your alley. Yeah. He called the pitches, not the catcher. So how did he call? Ask me, how did Larry Corcoran
1: call the pitches before he threw them when the batter is standing there and facing him? Yeah, I'm curious, how would you give signals to the catcher to know what pitch to throw? Chewing tobacco.
0: This is where you what? come in. He positioned the chewing tobacco in his mouth.
1: So on the right cheek, I'm going high inside? or and Fastball over here. <laughs> yeah. Is that right?
0: Yeah. If I stuck it out, it meant something. That He called his own pitches by the placement of the wad of chewing tobacco. That's amazing. He lived to the age of 32. He died in 1891 of a kidney ailment called Bright's disease. And I believe, now I hope there's not a doctor listening to it. I think like the way they treat like Bright's disease now is a warm bath. Yeah.
1: <laughs> We've come a long way, you're saying. Yeah, in I think medicines science. changed yeah. since 1891. Died at
0: age 32.
1: Oh man!
0: Switch pitcher Larry when There's your, there's your, there's your Split. trivia. There's your minutiae of episode 55.
1: Imagine pitching a game with your opposite hand. I can't even like throw a softball to my kid with my other hand. <laughs> he, and
0: batter by batter, he'd
1: switch. Amazing switch
0: batter by batter.
1: That's why he was so good, probably. And then
0: he had to retire at age 30 because both arms were dead. Yeah. And then he died at age 32.
1: Yeah, they were over. I mean, you hear about like Satchel Paige throwing a no-hitter on the same day. Like, two, I mean, sorry, two no-hitters on the same day. (laughs) Like, a doubleheader. He'd pitch both games. I don't think
0: he threw a no-hitter on the same. Did he? Well,
1: I don't know. I thought I read that.
0: Those are his only two because he's not listed on the guys that had three. But the fact that they
1: would throw so much, we had no idea that we're just killing these guys' arms and he has to retire at 29. yeah. Pitch every day. Yeah. Pitch every day.
0: (laughs) That's right. Anyway, I wanted wanted to update you on Larry Corcoran and Justin Verlander's butt. I wanted to bring that
1: up. Oh, I appreciate you doing Uh, that. Thank you.
0: I've got why I'm starting to hate Twitter. uh, Smokey the Tennessee dog we got to talk Tyler Skaggs in our last segment. we got to name the episode in our last ep- ep- uh, segment as well.
1: All right? Maybe a little Husky talk as well. A little Husky football. Oh, I
0: forgot that. Yeah, we got to talk about it. You went to the Husky game.
1: I did go to the Husky game, yeah. I us do into that Bob now. Rondo. You want to do it now? Yeah. Okay. How was it? Loved it. Had a great time. So fun. Is that it? So glad Husky football's back. <laughs> well, I wanted to see this Eason kid. Skinny Eason. You see any highlights? No. I, well, I saw the highlights, but what, is he skinny? Yeah, I think that was his nickname. He's, like, tall and thin. Yeah, I, I not and-
0: have to think of him as skinny. Jacob Eason out of uh, Lake Stevens finally... Throws a, a, a pass for the University of Washington and the after transfer. <laughs> that matters, and he goes. He throws for three hundred and so. But so tell me, three hundred and
1: fifty I mean, yards, four, four touchdowns, touchdowns, no interceptions, pick. right? Look good. The first thing I said to my wife and daughter, who couldn't have given two shits, I said, "Boy, look how the ball comes out of his hand." Like it look. My wife was like, what? "What are you talking about? Are we getting and popcorn you- <laughs> or no?" Like you know, never <laughs> what, cares about anything. What do you
0: that. particularly know about the ball? The way the ball comes out. Well,
1: of his hands. you've seen some quarterbacks that play at UW and the way it snaps out of their hand or doesn't. Yeah, remember a guy named Hugh Millen? You remember that guy? I remember him. Like, I, used to do a, I used to do a radio show. Oh, okay. And he was um, on, yeah. I've played catch with him. Yeah, And the ball, I know he's not in the NFL now, but it comes out, you can just tell. There's something about when the ball comes out of his... I didn't want to tell him it was hurting my hands every time I caught it. But when you watch Easton, it just zips out of his hand. Like, and so how
0: good is the guy who just transferred... Special
1: right if it was close if you're telling me it was a close a close quarterback can we tell any
0: i mean i know that eastern washington perennially has played them tough and the truth is is i didn't see a lot of the game because i had my in-laws in town and we were out at a restaurant in issaquah and you're kind of in your neck of the woods sure they were going home that day so we went out for lunch and i missed the washington game and we were sitting at lunch and um I guess the Washington game was winding down, and a guy comes walking. We were sitting outside, and a guy comes walking towards me with uh wearing an eastern Washington hat, an eastern Washington shirt. Oh, it was clear to me that he had just come from the game. And I said, Didn't work out for you fellas this time, did it? <laughs> <laughs> did he, he have said, a response? No. He said, That Jacob Eason. Yeah. He's really good. He's really good. I said, You normally, you guys normally play Washington tough, don't you? Didn't they have the one guy the fifth year? Remember a few years ago, it's oh, like, probably more than a few years ago, they had the fifth year senior quarterback that had transferred maybe from Oregon, who came oh, on yeah, and he, right. he he played great. I don't yeah. even know that Peterson was the coach. Maybe Peterson was the coach, maybe he wasn't. But I remember he, that. do you remember that he was and he, he had came
1: Cooper out. Cup, I think, too, was on oh, Eastern on that team, I think, at some point. But yeah. this
0: quarterback yeah. lit Washington up. Oh, I, I was think Washington name. won, yeah. but he threw for like five or six touchdowns. From, yeah, he was a transfer. transfer from Oregon. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. But how great is it that college football? Doesn't have preseason games. That's what I kept thinking about too. Uh, I'm, I mean, even though it sort of felt I like Kalicho would have been great. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but sitting there watching a real game and not having to sit through a bunch of nonsense like. Every play matters now. I love it. It was so fun watching even a real 30, game.
0: Even at thirty-eight-seven, every play matters.
1: Yeah, well, maybe not. But it was twenty-one-nothing yeah. in the first quarter. There, was there they, an
0: injury? Did I hear that there was
1: injuries? Or no? I mean, uh, they get I out of R- there pretty, pretty clean. Ryan Bowman, I think, got hurt. Who I love. I, he's got a great motor. And, and they play a Pac-12 opponent this week, ne- right? that's California. This they get week. right into the Pac-12, and then they go back to another non-Pac-12. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, they got a Pac-12 game, and yeah. you know, a and few you had days. fun. Your
0: daughter had fun. Yeah,
1: we we love it. We we don't go to many, but when we go, it's just a great time. I think my daughter likes the food more than anything, but you know. No, it's a who were you? Experience.
0: Was there anybody else besides Eason that you were impressed by that I should be?
1: Yeah, be Richard for? Newton, running oh, back. running back,
0: because Ma- Ahmed didn't do much. Statistically, he didn't do much. Did he have trouble getting getting going? Or so what's
1: here's go- my fear about him? Oh, I, I don't know if he's a great uh, quote running back. You know, sometimes you get these athlete. guys. He's who an are, athlete. They're very fast. You remember Paul Arnold? He was like this, oh, this, this track star. Yeah, I but, think from Florida. Unlike John or I think he's really no. I think Florida. Paul Arnold was from like Kent.
0: Oh, you're Paul of, Arnold. You're thinking I'm of thinking Fredericks. Of, I'm, I'm thinking of Alex. Yeah, Fredericks was a wide receiver, and yeah. Alex was a guy named Alexis, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, Richard Alexis. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Arnold was from here. That's right. Go yeah, ahead. But yeah, but he was very fast. But he just didn't feel like he was a running back. Like he's not going to get you the put his head down and get the three yards. You know what I'm saying? It feels like Reggie Bush was kind of that. You remember Reggie Bush at USC? Scat back. Maybe more of that, at least better at that when they're in on space. On the edge.
0: You want to run them on the
1: edge. You right. want to run off on the sweep edge. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, or, but
0: between the tackles. Or if there's a big hole.
1: questioning Achmed's toughness right now on episode 55. I don't know 55. if it's toughness, just maybe his, his ability to be a running back. There's more to it than just taking the ball and running 80 yards. Right. But this guy, Richard Newton, looked like he had all the tools. Okay. Puts his shoulders pads down, gets the tough yards, was good around the corner. He kind of reminded me of Greg Lewis, a former Husky sure, running back. Sure, sure. Not a great fifth gear, doesn't look super fast. But but gets you the yards, dependable. Yeah. Yes. So you want more of him and less of Achman. I think it's going to be – I think they're going to split carries after seeing Richard – now, again, you throw everything out the window and you say, well, it was against Eastern, Right. so we'll see what they do. Yeah. But I was really impressed by Richard Newton. I'm excited that he's a redshirt freshman. I like the tight end from Eastside Catholic, Hunter Bryant.
0: Oh, Hunter Bryant, yeah. I love that guy. Six catches, 81 yards. Yep. I love that guy. He came on. I mean, I didn't even know who he was until he came back from injury like at the very end
1: of last year and started catching balls left and right from Jake. He looked good. Yeah, Bocellia had five catches. Uh, Fuller, McClatcher was back. He missed all of last year. He had five catches. You know, it's like 84, so where are they 81, weak? 73. where are they weak? I don't know if the uh, – there was a couple times when there uh, were Eastern receivers open, and luckily the quarterback couldn't really throw that well. Yeah. So I'm worried about the secondary. I think they're starting a true freshman at safety. So I think the secondary might be a little bit of a problem. I think the offense is going to roll. I think they're going to drop 40 on a lot of people.
0: Jacob Eason's the real deal.
1: Real deal. One in his- year
0: and done? One year and out?
1: Or will he be back? <sighs> Uh, that's a good question. I think he's probably one year and out. I mean, he he looked legit. He looked like he should be playing in the NFL. And it was uh, nice to see Trey Adams, the left tackle back, who had the back problems.
0: Three interviews coming up. Three interviews that I think you'll really like. Also, we got some stuff in the second, in the last segment of episode 55 that uh, I've got on my laundry list. And You know what happens when I have them on my laundry list. I got some things I got I to gotta bring up for conversation on episode 55. So, Hotshot, we've got the big fantasy football league draft on Tuesday night At the Bellevue location of Daniels, here's another one of those rare Daniels special events that's open to the public. Bourbon lovers need to take note. It's the Bourbon Heritage Dinner. Saturday, September the 14th at the new downtown Daniels location, At 6 p.m., a must-attend event for bourbon lovers. Doug is going to be there. A four-course gourmet dinner featuring specially selected bourbons like Bullet 10 and Barrel Strength, Blade & Bow, and Dickel Barrel Select Bourbon. Four-course gourmet dinner includes a roasted New York steak strip, Bourbon barbecue pulled pork sliders, chimichura grilled shrimp as appetizers with maple bourbon wild green salad, bourbon caramel butter cake for dessert. It's on and on and on, a world-class bourbon lover's dream. Tickets for this event are $125 plus tax and service. You can make your reservations for the Bourbon Heritage Dinner by clicking on events at danielsbroiler.com and going to the downtown location. It's the Bourbon Heritage Dinner. Dinner Saturday, September the 14th at 6 p.m. at the new Daniels, a world class bourbon event. Unfiltered.
3: All right, breaking news here
4: Jadevian Clowney going to Seattle. This, according to Fox First, other people weighing in now as well. He was clearly unhappy in Houston and holding out. Fired his agent recently and now apparently is going to be a Seahawk. He will be paired with Ziggy Anso, who was a former top-ten overall pick by the Lions, who's now up in Seattle. Remember, the Seahawks lost Frank Clark to the Chiefs, so they needed to uh, somehow replace this. He will still be a one-year rental up in Seattle. They can't do a long-term deal. He'll be a free agent at the end of the year.
0: What a weekend. What a Labor Day weekend it was as the NFL and all the teams kind of jockeyed for position in terms of their rosters. Joining us on the Zeke's Pizza hotline is Aaron Reese of The Athletic in Houston, And that's where we need to be as we sit here in the Pacific Northwest. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Obviously, the Jadavion Clowney story is huge here in the Northwest. Is there anything that we as non-followers like you don't know about the process, don't know about the holdout, don't know anything that might be interesting, any tidbits that might be interesting that led to the day over the weekend of, of Clowney being traded to the Seahawks?
5: Yeah, I mean I think the um the kind of way people will look at um look at Clowney in his time in Houston is that uh really talented player, but maybe never quite lived up to what people thought when they drafted him number one. I mean, uh him and J.J. Watt were never really healthy at quite the same time for the most part until really last season. Um and you know, he he was a really tremendous player, but he, he wasn't quite the, the pass rusher that uh, you know, you would expect a guy who's billed as, you know, this kind just of like um sort of generational edge player number one overall to be. And that's ultimately I think part large part of what uh led him being being out of here. And additionally, you know, the uh the Texans kinda he had he had a rep kinda hype out of college as a uh, uh not necessarily the hardest worker or, you know, more maybe more fun loving than Golovin liked anything like that, and uh, you know I think that he never really seemed to, whatever reason, shed that reputation, even though he displayed a really strong motor uh, in games. So I think that I think those are kind of the things that played a role here.
0: It sounds to me, if I'm listening to you, um, Aaron, that he's he may not be worth the The twenty million a year that he's going to ask for at the end of the two thousand and nineteen season is he is he a producer of that kind of contract compared to some of the other guys around the league, the edge guys around the league that have gotten those money, that money?
5: You know, I think I think it partially hinges on um, you know how how much you value sacks versus other disruption. I mean, he he's never had a ten sack season. But that doesn't mean he's not one of the most disruptive players in, uh, in the NFL. I mean, I think he was fourth in, in pressures last year, um, and he's a tremendous run defender. You know, a lot of these, compared to a lot of these guys um, who might have higher sack totals, I mean, he far outpaces them in tackles for loss. But, you know, the NFL is a, obviously a pass-oriented league, so uh, the, they want the guys who are proven to get after the quarterback. And, you know, I think something that kind of works against Clowney is, you know, he came in or he's been in the spotlight for forever kind of as this generational talent. And uh, and he is an incredible player, no doubt about it. But you know, I think uh, it it seems like there's something there's something more for him to give. That, you know, you know he hasn't gotten there yet, and and maybe you know maybe maybe uh, Pete Carroll is the, is the guy to get it out of him. Mm-hmm. And and it mm-hmm. sounds like everything I've read, um, the the defense, the role that they're going to have him in is kind of similar to what Cliff Averill was in, and and, and he got paid uh, well after I play that. So um, yeah, well I mean we'll see. I, I think that there's a good chance that. Kind of, he just might be a a good fit there with uh, with the Seahawks. Dwayne Brown, obviously, is a a friend of his, knows him well, and. And so, you know, what I've seen, Dwayne kind of says he thinks he'll kind of fit right in, in terms of the culture that Carroll's built with the Seahawks.
0: Aaron, you say that he hasn't quite lived up to the pass rushing reputation in terms of sacks, but I also read and I watched that maybe he's even more disruptive against the ground game, against the run game than people thought he was going to be. Speak to that issue and also talk to us about moving inside. Uh I, I didn't watch the Texans a lot to know whether maybe on passing situations, maybe on rundowns he plays the edge and on passing situations with the right personnel, third and longs, he moves inside and works from uh from the inside of the offensive line. What about those two things?
5: Yeah, no, I mean the Texans had the, the league's best uh I think in terms of uh run defense DVOA, they were they were the best uh best run defense in the league. Um they were they, so they're tremendous Spencer and Clonie had, a, had a, each reason uh, each part of that. Um, he uh, he is uh, and in terms of you know, playing all over the uh, playing all over the line he is uh, he played inside played outside he played everywhere played a stand up rusher played with his hand in the ground I mean something that really made him pretty devastating and something the Texans will really miss that they, I don't really think they can replace with anyone else is um, the Texans used him sometimes as a stand up rusher over interior linemen. And I mean, it's just like no, you know, no interior lineman can kind of take him on one on one if he's as a stand up rusher lining up right over you. So what would happen is they'd have to. I mean, these these def- these offenses would have to focus on clowning. I mean, you're talking about him getting double teams on the inside, giving JJ Watt and yeah, you know a one on one on the edge. Yeah. So I mean, and I think you you think about that. That that really kind of says all you need to know about maybe kind of the. uh the unsung value that this guy has—the yeah. stuff that doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet—he is going to create because he's going to create matchup problems for a matchup like you know uh, that they can, the Seahawks can take advantage of all over the field for other people because they can base the Seahawks and like the Texans did. I mean, they can move him to basically target the weakest link of uh, of any opposing line and you know make the offenses compensate for that which is only going to provide opportunities for others. So, I mean, he is – he, you know, maybe doesn't have the sack numbers, uh, but he is incredibly valuable in some ways that maybe are are harder to quantify. Yeah.
0: And Ziggy Ansah, who's coming back from an injury who they acquired, the Seahawks did from Detroit uh, during the offseason or via free agency, he might be the one to prosper from the attention that you're talking about, uh, Clowney. Uh, Everybody refers to him, and I have too – as an oft-injured player. Now, clearly, the the stats, the record speaks for itself. He he missed some games early in his career, the first couple of years in Houston. He has, for the most part, been available the last few years, but there have been some other little injuries hampering him, missing some practices, not being able to work hard in practices, and maybe hindering his on-field play. Speak to the the label of oft-injured Jadavion Clowney,
5: Aaron. Uh, you know, I mean, he he missed. So he missed all. Of, not this year. I mean, he did miss this year's off season program, but that was just because of his holdout. I mean, he uh, he missed last year's off season program, um, coming off. So I, I think it was a knee surgery. Uh, and and you know, yeah, like you said, he had his problems early in his career. But I I don't think you know we're talking to people with the Texans, I I mean, their hesitancy to give him the deal seemed less tied to health than to okay. sort of the pass rushing stuff we're talking about. Okay. The uh, the culture fit stuff we're talking about. I mean, that—that's. I think to, that that seems like what matters more to them. So, I mean, obviously, I think anyone people talking about this trade. Something a lot of people say is, you know, Texans would know better than anyone. Kind of uh, the long term prognosis on him, and and maybe that is influencing their decision making here. And you know, I'm sure it maybe is to some degree, but I don't. I don't get the sense that it was the the top uh, motivation for for dealing him here. And you know, I mean, he's, he's been pretty healthy for the past few seasons, uh, and. And, you know, even as Bill O'Brien was, you know, rather openly kind of um, saying that he was, you know, willing to trade this guy as, as this process wore on and he kind of wore down of putting up the defense uh, mechanism in, in some of these press conferences, you know, the one thing that O'Brien continued to say was that Connie seemed like he was, even though he was away from the team, was by all indications like in the best shape of his life. And I think that you can understand why he was obviously uh, probably a little frustrated with the situation, yep. and he yep. recognizes that you know he's got something to prove if he wants to get that Khalil Mack and Donald yep. money. Yep. As disruptive as he is, maybe in the unquantifiable ways, the NFL still pays the guys that can do it in the quantifiable ways. So I mean, you know, maybe this is maybe this is all leading up to him kind of. Putting Getting it all together. 14, 15 yeah. sack season, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, two last ones for Aaron Reese of The Athletic. One of the subplots to this whole thing, Aaron, was uh, him firing his agent, Bus Cook, who's been around forever and has represented some of the great names in the game. What went wrong? What would be interesting about that story? What, what, what went wrong between the player and the agent? Why was he frustrated, Jadeveon? Because he didn't get the deal in Houston?
5: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, I I know there there are people who reported kind of that he had, he had contemplated it a lot. I mean, obviously the the deal the deal with him get done, but I, I don't know necessarily uh, the fairest thing for um, for Buscuc, because then you know, I, I saw something today. Now he's. He's probably going to rehire him, or he has rehired okay. him, and, okay. Uh, okay. And, so he's, and so he's basically like. I, it seems like he's just missing out on the uh, having to pay the agency, you know, for signing the tender and all that. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily why he, he skated it, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, it okay. sounds like it sounds like he is maybe frustrated, but ultimately, like no other agent can get him a new contract now either. You know, I mean, he's got to play right. through the right. season and right. and go from there. So yeah, it seems right. like it seems like they're reunited.
0: And I don't know whether he'll be here in Seattle long term. Obviously, a lot will depend upon what he does for the Seahawks this year and what kind of salary situation, what kind of plan they have for all their highly paid players. They've got lots of players that they pay a lot of money to, including the guy right behind him, Bobby Wagner. Uh, Okay. So the final question, Aaron, and I think what is on a lot of Seattle Seahawks minds is today. Let me see if I can articulate this. Uh, You say that sometimes people question how hard he works and how kind of easygoing he is, and does he really, really have the fire? Does he have the fire and the burn to go out there and, and do what it takes to be great? That's been questioned because he's so ultra-talented, naturally God-given talent. Well, that the answer to that question also plays into the answer to this question. What's he been doing all this time? How effective, how impactful do you think he will be ready in week one when he's had no preseason and he's had no training camp and he has not been at practices with the team? We've seen players that have held out the whole year, uh, the whole offseason, like up here, Walter Jones, for example, Aaron, for years, he didn't come to training camp in a contract dispute. He would show up the Monday before the opening day and he'd be an all pro in week one. He kept himself in such fabulous playing shape. What can Seahawks fans expect from Jadavion Clowney, or is it going to take a few weeks, do you think, for him to get going? And if he does, then he can't put up that monster year of 14 sacks that you talked about.
5: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, I think, like I, I was mentioning earlier, I, even O'Brien, who obviously had the relationship was a relationship with Will strained, even he gave uh, Clowney credit for um, seemingly being in the best shape of his life from everything the coach had heard. So, you know, I, I think, like we said, I think he has a lot of motivation to kind of turn on, turn on all the all the lights this year and stuff and and uh from my he's working with uh lebron james's trainer in miami okay. um so i mean he seems like he's he seems like he's he's doing everything he can to be taking it seriously uh last year you know when he did miss the offseason program because of a uh, following surgery he started off a little slow he uh he didn't play it well in the first game set up the second game and then kind of and then didn't play it well in the third game and then he and then he came all out and was great against the Colts in week four and Texans' first win so you know I mean I guess if you're just looking at past history with him like when he hasn't been involved in the offseason program it's a slower, slower start but I don't know I think you know like I said motivation here is pretty powerful probably yeah, and yeah I, ex- I expect I expect him to to do really really well this year and and frankly even if it is just a one-year rental for the Seahawks I mean they're going to get back that compensatory pick that yep. they, they're gonna yep. get back in a yep. compensatory pick, the yep. third round pick that they sent to Houston. So yep. you know, they basically gave up just uh Martin and Wingo for Mingo for um yep. for one year at That's a pretty good deal.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh what's been the reaction from the Texans fans? I know that this was coupled with the the Laramie Tunsil trade, So that maybe maybe that makes it feel a little bit better to uh, to Texans fans, although they gave up a king's ransom for for Tunsil, who'll be their left tackle of the future. Overall, over the last 24, 48 hours, how do Texans fans feel about their
5: chances this year? Uh, you know, I think that the the mood here is definitely is a little bit right after uh, right after Clowney was traded, uh, because you know in that trade people thought you know they didn't even get offensive line help. Like, what is the what is the point of trading one of your fourth best players? Yeah, four best players. I yeah. mean, of course. There were other things that play. Clowney had a lot of leverage and whatnot, but I mean, you know, if, if you're going to trade a guy like Clowney, you got to address your biggest need. They did not come close to doing that in uh, in the first trade. They, they you know they really undersold him because he had, like I said, he held all the leverage, and, and Seattle's where he wanted to go, and that's that's how it worked out. And uh, Seattle came out big winners of that one, and Texans look like losers. But um, but you know, in the next deal, uh, after underselling Clowney, they I think by every by all precedent overpaid for Tunsell. Um, you know, past past deals like this tackles have gone for maybe one first round pick, and then here you go for two. Um, but at least I think the perspective is that at least he, uh, at least the offense might be good enough now to make up for the hole you've yeah. created on your defense, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And you know, when the in the post Andrew Luck retirement sort of uh, uh, thinking, as the Texans kind of felt as though you know this was something they needed to do. Uh, they they felt as though they saw Luck luck go down not only was their window to win the division and maybe and, you know have a little bit of a run here in this division um improved but on top of that you know Deshaun Watson took a bus to a, a game last year at Jacksonville because uh because of a rip so you know this is what they had to uh this is what they felt they had to do at, at any cost uh in the immediate term the Texans will be a very interesting team I think they could still be pretty good they'll probably win the division but uh they're gonna they're gonna miss those draft picks when yeah. uh, when Deshaun Watson and Tunsil are on new contracts.
0: Aaron Reese of the Athletic, who does it so well, the Athletic is just terrific. Uh, he covers the Houston Texans for the Athletic on the Jadavion Clowney trade here to Seattle, and of course Laramie Tunsell from the Dolphins, a left tackle that is really uh, turning into one of the premier left tackles. Uh, in the National Football League, now a member of the Houston Texans to uh, protect Deshaun Watson's blindside. Aaron, thank you for being with us. We appreciate your time, and we hope we can call upon you again sometime.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Aaron Reese covering the Texans for the athletic. Hard to even say it. It doesn't even sound right. Jadavion Clowney on Sunday against the Bengals, wearing number 91 for your Seattle Seahawks. Unreal. Unreal. Evervestment, you've heard me talk about it the last couple of weeks from Evergreen Golf Call, a digital investing platform that combines the ease of a robo-advisor with decades of proven investment experience. You've heard me speak of Evergreen Golf Call Forever, a Northwest investment advisor offering premier wealth management services. But I'd like to talk to you about Evergreen's new digital investment platform, Evervestment. Evergreen Golf Call has catered its investment expertise solely to high net worth individuals up to now. But using this online solution, you don't need to be a multimillionaire to get access to some of the same strategies that they use for their clients, all at a discounted fee. The same investment guidance as Evergreen's high net worth clients At a lower fee, Evervestment combines the ease of a digital account, onboarding with the benefits of an actively managed portfolio with decades of investment experience to back it. Evervestment also provides you access to an actual human advisor should you need it, not a pop-up chat box or anything like that. So whether you're saving for your first vacation home or your first day of retirement, Evervestment can help get you there. Go to their website and learn more, www.evervestment.com. That's E-V-E-R-V-E-S-T-M-E-N-T.com. Evervestment from Evergreen Golf Call.
4: Unfiltered. Let's just get this deal done. Let's, let's get playing football. I miss playing football. I ain't been on the field in a while. Like I said, man, it's been a long journey for me to get back here and get going playing football. something I really love to do and miss, so I was happy to get here and get settled in and trying to find my way. People always have questions, and I just tell them, keep watching me play. I mean, I think I did well the past few years of my career after coming off of a major injury and proving people they call out injury pro and all of this, but they, I missed like what, one game in two seasons. Three games, three seasons. I know people miss way more than that, but I'm the injured prone. One. <laughs> uh, but I just laugh at that, man. Like I said, man, God take care of all of that. I keep my, I keep praying, stay with, keep my faith strong, and stay with my family and everything else. I just let it, let it play out.
0: Fireside Home Solutions presents ESPN Seahawks Insider Brady Henderson, and remember the football season equals fireplace season. Fireside Home Solutions comes to your home free of charge, evaluates your space. Then works with you to find the fireplace solution that'll revolutionize your home and fit in your budget. Firesidehomesolutions.com. Brady Henderson on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Brady, my head is spinning. I don't even I, I don't even know where to begin. I suppose it makes most sense to 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 begin with a huge story over the the Labor Day weekend. Jadavion Clowney. What do you think this does for the CX? Let's start right there. Does it does it kind of change the whole look of the Seahawks defense and the Seahawks' chances this season? Do you think?
3: Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. I mean, as much as any non-quarterback uh, could change your team's outlook, I think it does here. Just because you know, think back to even a week ago before Ziggy Ansah had, before we knew that he was you know back in practice and on track to play in Week One. I mean, the question with this team, not just this defense, was are they going to have enough pass rush to, to really give them, uh, you know, a credible defense? And we see Ansa, it looks like he's on track to play uh, Sunday against the Bengals, and now they have Clowney giving them, you know, two premier edge rushers, uh, and now you're talking about maybe the best front seven in all of football, at least when Jaron Reed comes back from his suspension in Week 7. So, yeah, as much as, as any guy can change the outlook of a team and of a defense, uh, I think Clowney does that. And, and by the way, you got him on uh, basically a, a steal of a deal yeah. uh, with John Schneider getting him from Houston for, for what he gave up.
0: Yeah, I want to ask you about that. And But I do want to underscore what you said about Ansa. Uh, yeah, Ziggy's gonna play. It looks like he's gonna play. We'll get to the Brady Henderson index in a in a in a bit, but we still don't know, right? We don't know what he's got left. We don't know how hurt he is. We don't know how you know effective he'll be. There's still a a, a huge, I think, a huge question mark. Obviously, Seahawk fans want him to be what he was in his prime in Detroit, but he has been really ravaged by injury. So even if he plays, we don't know the effectiveness let alone the first round draft choice who may or may not play probably won't play on the in the first game of the season you talk about that price talk more about the price tag why was it so low is it because they they are renting the player essentially for one year and then we'll see how did they get this deal of a and isn't Houston paying some of this or half of this uh, this franchise, this this, this the, t- the tender that he signs, right?
3: Yeah, so the report that came out yesterday from, from Adam Schefter and others was that basically the Seahawks are only on the hook for, I believe it's $8 million of Clowney's $16 million franchise tag because the Texans <clears throat> excuse me, paid him a $7 million signing bonus. Um, so they are picking up that part of it, and the Seahawks are picking up the rest of it. And t- to answer your question about why it was such, you know, basically a, a low price that the Seahawks gave up here, I think, for one thing, it's because De Devontae Clowney was really in the driver's seat because, as a franchise-tagged player, the Texans could not do anything with him. They could not trade him uh, unless he signed that tender. Right. Um, and in order for him to sign that tender, he would have to sign off on whatever team that they want to trade him to. So he was—he really basically got got to pick his destination in a sense, at least among the teams that were interested in trading for him. So, um, you know, usually the, the team has all the leverage here. Uh, Whenever you're talking about extending a player or trading a player. Uh, but in this case, this is sort of one of those occasions where the, the player was really in the driver's seat. And I think the other part of that is you're talking about one of the better GMs in the NFL, and John Schneider, um, you know, matching wits with uh, a head coach, you know, in, in Bill O'Brien, who was basically serving as the Houston Texans' GM uh, because they fired their GM. And so um, you have to wonder if, if how much. You know, a factor here was the fact that you're talking about John Schneider going up against a guy who's really uh, maybe in over his head as a, as a personnel guy.
0: Will he be ready for Cincinnati? Do we know what kind of shape he's in, and what are the chances a year from now he's on the Seattle Seahawks? Do you think?
3: Well, you know, we've seen guys, you know, basically sit out. We saw it with Earl Thomas last year uh really rejoined the team on I think it was the Wednesday of week 1 and he was playing uh, you know 4 days later in Denver so it's not unprecedented for a guy to show up and then and then play a few days later um, as far as what he has left I mean it it does make you wonder if, if part of this is maybe if there's uh you know maybe the reason the Texans didn't want to sign him to a long-term deal maybe part of the reason uh in terms of the price is maybe there's some some knee issues there we know clowney has had knee issues in the past he had microfracture surgery uh, at the end of his rookie season. I believe he also had surgery on his other knee. Um, so there is kind of a, a history of knee injuries there, and it does make me wonder if that factored into you know, just the low price there. But um, I would certainly expect him to be on the field Sunday. How
0: about next year at this time?
3: Yeah, it, it, I think the Seahawks. I mean, that, that's that's the the benefit of trading for a guy, and you know, you can't really extend him. They they cannot extend him right now, right. Uh, per the rules of guys on franchise tag. It has to be they have to wait until at least the end of this regular season, um, so they can use this year really to determine that. Um, you know, they for for a team that you know just paid as much as it did to extend Russell Wilson and then Bobby Wagner, they are in pretty good shape cap wise. Not just this year, but you know, over the next few years. There's really nobody other than Jaron Reed, uh, right now in terms of a young guy who is in line for a big payday. So if Jadevion Clowney has a really good season, you know, they are gonna be in position to pay him. So this you know, as much as we wanna look at this as a one year rental Maybe it is, but it isn't necessarily going to be that. They can pay him if they want to.
0: The voice of Brady Henderson, ESPN, Seahawks insider. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Also, he'll be with us the entire football season, giving us the inside scoop on the Seahawks since we sit here in the Pacific Northwest. All right, the Bengals game is coming lots of roster surprises i think i mean the last time you and i were together we tried to figure it out i don't know did we do a good job did we do what's our grade did we get a b did we get a c did we get a b plus and uh, how about some of these surprises, some things that you didn't expect, Brady, on the on the 53-man roster?
3: Yeah, you know, I think I, I changed my projection so many times that I can't even <laughs> remember what I gave you when we spoke last. So I'm just going to give myself a B. We'll, we'll right. give it a B and okay. call it good. Okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, I think it, it's it's a reminder. What we've seen over the last 48 hours is a reminder that you know, for as much as we want to talk about the quote-unquote final 53. It's really just the initial 53 because teams can and will make a handful of moves after cutdown day, and we've seen already seen the Seahawks make a few of them already.
0: All right, Jazz. For, let's go through some of the surprises. Jerron Brown was cut the other day, and then he was brought back on on Labor Day Monday. I guess there was some finagling with Dixon and trying to get him on the injury. You want to try to explain that? I think the the most important thing for Seahawks fans to know is Jerron Brown, the wide receiver, will be a part of that team, right?
3: Yeah, and potentially starting on Sunday because right, David right. Moore is going to be out, and we don't know about DK Metcalf. Um, it's hard to to really put my finger on exactly what the plan was Uh, all along there maybe the plan was uh... just to cut him and bring him back you know after after cut down day because they needed to keep ed dixon on cut on the roster through cut down day in order for him to be eligible to return off ir because that's the rule If you put a guy on ir before cut down day it's season ending ir whereas if you wait until after cut down day like they did with dixon he can come back after eight weeks so maybe the plan was you just needed a, a vested veteran you just needed to release one of those guys uh, to bring them back, and, and the key point there with Vested Veterans is those guys aren't subject to waivers. In other words, if you were to release somebody like, uh, I don't know, say David Moore, he would be subject to waivers, and every other team could potentially put a claim on him, unlike a veteran like Brown. I got it. Um, I got the it. question I have there is, one, if that was the plan all along, and if they communicated that to Brown all along, why would he post you know, the, the farewell message that he posted ah. uh, to Twitter, and also why wouldn't they pick – uh, a cheaper veteran uh, who had less dead money um, on their contract than Brown does because cutting him, that cost them $975,000 in dead money. So uh, that's the one question I have. But like you said, at the end of the day, he's back.
0: Okay. What about that wide receiver crew? You were uh, you were skeptical on John Ursua when I tried to sell you a, a week ago, <laughs> uh, but then I think you may have had him on your final roster on ESPN.com. I guess he sticks Malik Turner – Sticks. Keenan Reynolds doesn't. Jazz Ferguson, I guess, is on the is on the practice squad. How do you think it shook out with the wide receivers, Brady?
3: Yeah. Well, Turner was was the one guy who I don't I don't think a ton of people had him on their fifty three man projections. Um, I had heard you know earlier this off season that he was a player the Seahawks really liked, uh, but then they drafted three receivers, so I didn't really you know was really not a guy that I, I thought was going to stick around just with all the competition there. Um, so that was maybe a, a mild surprise there. And then, um, you know, I think getting Terry Wright and, and Jazz Ferguson back on the practice squad. Uh, you know, the Seahawks only had one player of all the players that they waived. Only one player was claimed, uh, J.D. McKissick. So they were able to get Terry Wright, able to get Jazz Ferguson on their practice squad. Um, I think the the bigger picture takeaway there is that um, that maybe is, is is an indication that the bottom of their roster is not as strong as it has been in other years when you've seen guys, you know, they've waived guys and all those guys get claimed by their teams. Um, But I guess the, the positive way to look at that is that they, they did a pretty good job of identifying which of those guys that they were going to waive would clear waivers and that they could get them back on their practice squad. So it was Terry Wright, Jazz Ferguson, uh, Elijah Nakanta, uh, Jacob Hollister, the tight end, you know, the majority of their practice squad guys are are guys that were with them and went unclaimed.
0: Okay. So on Sunday, when we're all watching the Bengals game, and it's for reals. It's for keeps. Either we're at the game or we're watching from our family rooms. What, what wide receivers are we going to see? Well, we're going to see, obviously, Tyler Lockett, but then after that, who else is going to be catching passes on that Sunday against the Bengals?
3: Yeah, I, I don't I don't see any way other than and uh, I, I don't see how Jerron Brown would not be starting just with, with okay. David Moore out and uh, D.K. Metcalf. We still don't know if he's going to be able to play. Um, Pete Carroll has been very noncommittal about that, so... Aside from that, it's, you know, it's Malik Turner, who I think has one catch in his NFL career, and then uh, two rookies, Gary Jennings uh, and John Ursua. So, I think you're going to see a a whole lot of of Brown. Uh, Again, not sure if Metcalf's going to play there, but maybe that's a game where, you know, instead of going three receivers, like they do a lot, maybe they go... Um, you know, an extra tight end. Uh, they don't also don't have a fullback on their roster right now. So mm-hmm. um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do offensively to account for really not having a fullback, only having well, two true tight ends on their roster, uh, and the issues at receiver.
0: Well, is there a chance that between now, the time that we're talking, and Sunday that there's another deal up the sleeve of John Schneider for a, a veteran-wide receiver, do you think?
3: It's possible. I mean, I, I, think, I think if there's a move to be made, it would be more likely... Uh, at another position, maybe they maybe they they bump Jacob Hollister back up off the practice squad to give them you know three true tight ends along with george fant. Um I don't I mean, they certainly have the draft capital to do it, but I don't know if okay. if bringing in okay. a receiver at this okay. point um, is the most likely move, especially because it seems like you know Pete Carroll was pretty optimistic that that David Moore and Metcalf would not be out for very long. So I don't know if they would if they make a trade or bring somebody in. Uh, just for maybe one week.
0: Okay. Earl Mitchell must have been a little bit of a surprise for you because I know that you had him on your team, your final roster projections, the the veteran defensive lineman that they brought in. Cassius Marsh is not as big a surprise now that they've got Jadavion Clowney. Obviously, he comes in where, where Marsh leaves off and he goes to another NFC West team. Uh, if I had told you a week ago, Brady that both Shaquem Griffin and Bur- Ben burr Curvin were going to make the final 53, you would have said what? Both of them are going to make it.
3: I would have said you need to recalibrate the, <laughs> the Mitch Levy index because you're crazy. Well, they uh, did. They both made the team. How about that? they did yeah and you gotta wonder how much that that game thursday night uh you know m- maybe ben burkirvan was going to make the team all along but certainly uh having that game that he did thursday night when he was really the, the standout of that game made a ton of tackles uh, i believe he had the sack and, and the, the big hit on oakland's quarterback there so you gotta wonder how much that factored into it um but certainly shaquem griffin That was a surprise because I would have thought that he would either have been waived or would end up on IR, and we still don't know. if The IR, I think, is is still possible. Again, we just saw the Seahawks put Ed Dixon on IR. Um, So we'll have a better sense of that once we hear from Pete Carroll about how serious the knee injury is Um, just because we really didn't see him play any defense in that final preseason game. It was really just special teams. So um, that was another reason to wonder, along with just the fact that that's a very crowded linebacker core. Um, You know, I do wonder if the fact that you you got rid of Jacob Martin and Barkebius Mingo, those were two guys who on the roster, they're defensive ends, but both those guys could basically serve as backup linebackers. So had they still been on the roster, I wonder if maybe the number of true linebackers would have been five, just knowing that you could count on those guys to basically be de facto backups.
0: And I have to ask the question that I've asked you before that I've posed on this uh, podcast and on Twitter. If, if Shaquem Griffin's name were, were Joe Harris and he wasn't the inspiration that he is to so many people, he wasn't the twin brother of the corner and he just was Joe Harris, a guy who can run like the wind like he did at the Combine and played the way he did last year and played the way he did in preseason this year, would there have been even a question whether Joe Harris in that same role would be on this on this team right now?
3: You know, I, I don't think that the, the only reason they're keeping him on their roster is because of his backstory and because of the connection to his twin brother. Um, but I also think that it probably factored in to some degree, or at least it was on the minds uh, of the people making those decisions. Now, the other thing I'll add there is that, you know, they could have potentially, uh, one option would have been to weigh him, hope that he clears waivers, and then put him back on the practice squad um, just because you wonder about, you know, with a guy who has not played a ton of defense a really a second-year guy, um, who, by the way, is, has a knee injury of, of some degree of severity, um, I would wonder if, if he would have cleared waivers and, and you could have got him back on the practice squad, which would have you know, softened the, the PR blow there, whatever PR blow there would have been uh, in releasing him. So I don't think it was the only factor, but I, you, know, you have to wonder if, if it was on, on their minds. Okay, uh,
0: who's going to be the nickel corner? Who's going to be the slot corner? They got a new guy. I don't know anything about the new guy, Perry Nickerson. What can you tell us about that all important role for the Seahawks starting Sunday against the Bengals?
3: Well, if you would have asked me, you know, Thursday or Friday, and you, you may have actually asked me that, but um, <laughs> I, I would have said Jamar Taylor, just because he's out. Uh, you know, he is. He was the guy who really looked the best in that position. Um, but you know, I. I also, I may have made the point, or at least I was thinking it, I promise I was thinking it, that that's a position where we've seen them really favor younger players uh, over veteran guys for whatever reason, whether it was Antoine Winfield uh, in 2013, Tremaine Brock uh, a couple years ago, Will Blackman, remember, he was on this really a couple off seasons, but never really made the team. We've seen them really go for, for the youth. Uh, over the experience, and that's what they're doing with, with Perry Nickerson, who's a young guy. Um, and just based on his physical profile, 5'10", 180 pounds, whatever it is, he's definitely a guy that, that factors more into the slot as opposed to uh, an outside guy, where, as we know, they like those longer, you know, more angular cornerbacks. So um, he's an interesting prospect, had a, a blazing fast 40 time at the Combine couple years ago and he, and he's played some football for the Jets. I think he played in 11 games with a couple starts last year. So, um, you're not getting just a, you know, some some young guy that you haven't seen anything on. This this is a guy who's actually played a little bit of football.
0: Okay, Brady Henderson Index and then we'll finish up for our uh, for our chat with uh, Brady Henderson of ESPN ESPN.com brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions where where football season equals fireplace season. Fireside Firesidehomesolutions.com. Brady Henderson Index. We're going to ask you the all-important Brady Henderson Index question in a moment, but first let's get chances of playing on Sunday as we record this and get ready for the week leading up to the Bengals. Let's start with DK Metcalf, who you say Pete Carroll's been non-committal. I say yeah, he's been non-committal recently, but when he first got hurt, he was pretty steadfast in this. This is a, not a serious injury, not a serious setback, and we we expect him back for the regular season. That seems to have changed now. Brady Henderson index for DK Metcalf on Sunday against the
3: Bengals. I'm still going to go 52%.
0: So you think it's more likely than not that he'll play on Sunday?
3: No, uh, no, no I'm going to go <laughs> – sorry, I <laughs> – I'm going to go 49% uh, because Pete, Pete Carroll, as much as he's talked about being optimistic about uh, you know, not being a long-term injury, he has also been, he's also not said anything about, yeah, we think he's going to be ready for week one. So I'm going to say slightly less likely that he does not play than he does play. 40, uh, 49%. Collier. I'm going to say 51%. More likely that Collier
0: plays on Sunday than not play. Yeah, but but wow. again. It's I I was way. Ge- I was guessing you were going to go in the 20s or 30s. I I figured that he was not going to play on Sunday, but you're you're giving him a pretty good chance to play on Sunday.
3: I'm I'm giving him, well, okay, so here's the other thing there is that, you know, they released Cassius Marsh. Yeah. Um and if they felt like you know the, what that tells me is that you know they don't feel like they are in bad shape numbers wise for the at least for the opener uh, at defensive end because that was not a move that saved them a ton of money against the cap. I think it was two point seven five million dollars. So for a guy who you were expected to get you know some production out of a yep. guy you expected really start, to start, start in week one. Yeah, yeah. That that tells me that they okay. feel like they're okay. Numbers. Uh, you're
0: o- you're over on you're over 50 percent on Collier, uh, Ziggy. I'm assuming you're in the 90s, 80s. Where are you on Ziggy Ansa?
3: I'm going to say 90%. All right.
0: And how about Blair? And who, if not Blair, who's the starting safety alongside McDougal on Sunday?
3: Yeah, with Blair, I, I'm going to go a lot lower than that. I'm going to say – I'm going to put it right at even 50%. Okay. Um, okay. From, what I've, from what I understand, it's not a, a serious injury. I was told that it looks like he's going to be fine. Uh, but we also couldn't finish that preseason game. so. Uh, I'll say 50%, and if he's not starting, I don't know how it's anybody other than Tedrick Thompson just because he's been the guy we've seen most often there.
0: And final Brady Henderson index, and the most important, and you're allowed to use a decimal now on this one. Use a decimal. (laughs) Get out your old decimal system. Seahawks wins in 2019. Regular season wins.
3: Regular season wins. I'm going to go 11 wins on the button. Wow.
0: I thought you might go 10 and a fraction, but you went right up to it. You think they're an 11-5 football. This would be very exciting. That's a pretty tough – and if you looked at that schedule lately, that's a pretty tough schedule. 11-5, and five, I, I'm holding you to that. 11-5 and five this yeah. year.
3: Wow. I thought about going 10.5697, which is the – because that was the number on my head, which is that's the Jadivion Clowney's franchise tag number, 10, oh. <laughs> uh, you know, 15.596, whatever, whatever the numbers are. But yeah. I'm going to go 11 wins. Really? Yeah. You think they're that good, huh, on paper? I – yeah, I think that they have, you know, as much as we want to talk about the pass rush and everything else, they've got the best quarterback in the division. Uh, you know, they're always going to be in every game. And the fact that really their pass rush looks is way way better uh, than it did even a week ago. Okay. That was their biggest Achilles heel. So, yeah, I'm going to go 11 wins. You're the best.
0: Thank you, Brady. We'll talk to you next week after the Bengals game.
3: You bet. Thanks, Mitch. There he is, Brady Henderson,
0: with all the craziness of the Seattle Seahawks roster moves over the last three or four days. Davion Clowney, the brand new, brand spanking new defensive end of the Seahawks wearing number 91. And from Brady to my executive producer, Steve Dion, who got a little help refinancing his home from Guild Mortgage.
2: Yeah, I gave uh, Jordan a buzz in uh, late July, Um, was interested to get a uh, quote on a refi, um, just the way the market has been with with interest rates dropping as they have, kind of tailored a, a mortgage around my preferences. One of the main parts that was appealing was the fact that he was able to cut out my mortgage insurance. Uh, he bought that out completely, um, really consolidated the loan into one clean monthly payment, amortized over a shorter time horizon and at a lower rate. Really easy process. You know, I'm working with Jordan and Christina there. Not not bad for a coog you know. I <laughs> I was uh hesitant to put my uh put my dollars and cents into uh the hands of a, a Wazoo grad, but you know, it all turned out, t- turned out well th- thus far.
0: From beginning to end, Steve, how long did it take? Took about a month total. How long was the first phone conversation until you determined what you could save per month?
2: It's about a 15-minute call.
0: When you include the mortgage insurance, how much less are you paying per month now on a percentage basis thanks to the refi with the Kirkland Office of Guild Mortgage?
2: I'm paying about 8 to 10% less a month. On top of that, uh, we'll be paying for five less years. So it's kind of a win-win on both, both sides.
0: So my line on the podcast that you're crazy not to call the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage with the low interest rates at the moment, just to find out what you can be saving in a refinance is on point.
2: Well, it, it's valid unless you want to spend more money every month. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> oh, and Mitch, one last thing. Where's my tumbler?
0: <laughs> there it is. Stop standing on the sidelines. Guild Mortgage and the Kirkland office at 425-250-3150. You could start saving big time today.
4: Unfiltered. In 2019 out of the shotgun takes a snap, fakes the handoff, runs straight up the middle. First down and more. Richard Newton into the end zone. Touchdown, Washington. Richard Newton, the freshman, on his first touch as a husky. Jacob Eason takes a shot downfield Andre Bocelli. 50 yards on the first play. Touchdown Washington. Jacob Eason Andre Bocelli. It'll be a fade route. Left side. One-handed catch. Aaron Fuller. Did he stay in
1: bounds? Two. 20 nothing. There's a the snap. Slam pattern. Caught. McClatcher. Touchdown, Washington.
0: Welcome back, Chico McClatcher. It's time to catch up with the voice of the dogs. Ladies and gentlemen, first appearance. First appearance on the podcast. But as you reminded me before we began you used to come on the old radio show on the old daily schnoz to give us updates from Columbus, Ohio. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that you, that you haven't
4: disowned me and you, that you remember those days. Oh my gosh. I forgot you called it the daily schnoz. That's right. I, I remember it. And I would like sit there on hold and some guy in Denver's talking about the Broncos. And then I'd hear the daily schnoz and then I'd be like, Oh, okay. Now it's my turn. Now, now I'm ready to go
0: yep and look what that's you so funny. look what you parlayed the daily schnoz into the voice of the dogs and and by the way you're doing a great job i know it's <laughs> i know it's not an easy thing to replace a guy that's been around for so long and bob rondo a friend an old friend but you've done a great job and i hope you're enjoying the pacific northwest tell us about the first few years of your of your time here
4: yeah thanks mitch i appreciate the kind words and I do. I, I, I love it here. It's been such a pleasant surprise in so many ways. Uh, first of all, it's by far the most beautiful place I've ever lived. Like I, I, we're, we're coming up on our two year anniversary uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, we got married at the exact same time that we moved here. Wow. So like wow. it's, it's all, it's all one. It's easy to remember the days, right? Cause <laughs> it, it all happened at the same time. And um, you know, so coming up on two years, I'm still not tired of looking at Mount Rainier. I'm still not tired of coming around the bend and seeing all the water on Lake Washington and everything else. I mean, you know, it's just by far the most beautiful place I've ever lived, but you, you brought up, um, you brought up the replacing uh, Bob is, is not easy thing. And I really, honestly, I, I don't feel that way about it. I mean, I feel like it's a difficult job for a, a million other reasons. It's a ton of responsibility. There's a high standard, all that stuff. But uh, I, I really feel lucky to be stepping into um, a, a role that was so well taken care of the last 37 years that, that, that people care. Like, people listen to the games on radio. That's not the case uh, everywhere you go, you know, but it's a big deal here. And it, that's a testament to the great work that Bob did. And Bob was available. He was accessible to me. So I was able to ask him questions and I've got unbelievable resources here. Uh, I've got two of the best analysts in the business between Damon and Jason on the basketball Who? side. Elise Who? Is- <laughs> Who? Yeah. A uh, 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 friend of the program. Would we call him that, <laughs>
0: We love Jason Hamilton, man. We love Jason. Well, yeah, you're taken care of. You're well. You're well taken care of. And you started the other day with a uh, a resounding victory, at least for 2019. We saw Jacob Eason for the first time, throwing the ball all over the joint. Now, before you arrived, now you certainly you know because you've done your research, but for years, Eastern Washington would come in here and give Washington a tough time. I'm not sure why. That wasn't the case the other day, and Easton looked great, and all systems go, right, for the Huskies in, in game one?
4: Yeah, I, I think they passed the first test with flying colors. Now, here's the thing. Like, you know, it, it's kind of like as you're working your way through a master's-level course – you, you don't want to get cocky just because you, you ace the first quiz 10 out of 10 doesn't mean the midterm is going to go well or even certainly the final exam, right? So, I mean, um, you know, they, they passed the first test with flying colors. I thought it was an impressive performance. Obviously, Jacob Beeson's numbers speak for themselves. But what I thought really was the key, Mitch, was they were taking on one of the best offenses in the FCS and an offense that caused them problems in 2011 and 2014. And I thought the Huskies' defense did well to not even, not even give them any breathing room out of the outset. And Washington jumped out to a 21-0 lead by having short fields. Their first three possessions were three touchdowns, but they only went 55 yards, 50 yards, and 50 yards. And that's a credit to the defense, yeah. setting them up on a short field, three three-and-outs out of the gate. And and I thought the defense was really impressive. I mean, they lost nine starters from last year's team. And yes, it's an FCS opponent, but they didn't look like they missed a beat. I mean, some of these freshmen that played are just flying around, really excited to see some of the pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Eastern had a slippery quarterback, but yet the Huskies still had four sacks. That tied the most they had in any game last year. And so, you know, I, I, I just think, for a first run at it, you look at all these other programs across the country that are getting the kinks worked out in week one. I just thought the Huskies looked really, really good for a season opener.
0: Tony, uh, what's the Achilles heel? What's the weakness of the team? Obviously, there were no weaknesses the other day against Eastern. but And you mentioned all the, all the starters they lost on defense. I'm assuming that if there are concerns, if there's anything that keeps Peterson up at night, it's on the defensive side of the football, or am I wrong about that?
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think they're answering some questions in the running game. They're answering some questions with their wide receiver group. Um, you know, look, it, this is going to be a drastically different defense that they're going to play against this weekend in the Cow Golden Bears, who have one of the best defenses in all of college football. They were a top-ten defense nationally last year. They've got most of these guys back. Look, they were number two in the nation in interceptions last year with 21. Mm. And twenty of those twenty-one interceptions are back on this year's team. Oh. So I mean, it's a veteran Cal defense, and it's not going to be nearly as easy to move the football this Saturday as it was last Saturday. But when you bring up, you know, questions on the defensive side of the ball, still not extraordinarily deep at inside linebacker. Still, you have a lot of freshmen running around, and and you know the secondary is young. And so my question is like, for instance, Eastern Washington did hit them for a long ball, 64 yards uh, for, for one of their touchdowns. And Washington's D has been the best in America over the last three years at not giving up the explosive plays. I think they were fifth in the nation in that category in 16. They were first in the nation in 17, first in the nation in 18 in not giving up explosive plays. The thing is, With a young team, you you, you do have to just be on point every single play because 95% of the plays, you can be great, but if someone misses their assignment one time, someone slips and falls one time, and that's a touchdown, right? And in a close game, that could make all the difference. So uh, certainly this is not a team that's a finished product. It was a great debut. But um, if they're exactly as good on November 29th, as they were this weekend, they're, they're not going to be a Rose Bowl caliber team. So, they, you know, they still got to get a lot better.
0: You talked about the, the voice of Tony Castrico and the voice of the, the Huskies on the Zeke's pizza hotline here on Mitch on You talk about the questions in the run game. They got a lot of names. Everybody knows Ahmed. He didn't have the greatest day on Saturday. I know, mm-hmm. I know Newton did. Um, Sean McGrew has uh, had had carries the last couple of years. Pleasant is a good ball player. Uh, How is it, how's it going to shake out, do you think, Tony, when it comes down to who's getting the carries in these big games? when You know, when the Utahs come around and some of these big games against Oregon come around, who, who's going to – obviously, he likes to give the ball to a lot of different guys in every game, but who's going to be the majority ball carrier, do you think?
4: Uh, yeah, I don't know that we're really even close to knowing the answer to that yet. Uh, I think – you know, Ahmed, I think it's still to be determined if he's going to be a workhorse, if he's going to be an every down back, or if he's going to be a guy that you just want to try to get him the ball creatively in space where he can use his, you know, straight line, you know, downhill speed. Same thing with Sean McGrew. They're the same kind of guy, they're, they're just so unbelievably fast. Um, but I I don't know if they're the same type of back as Gaskin where they can kind of pick their way reliably to four, five, six yards and always fall forward. Um, Richard Newton was exciting. We were all really excited to see him play, but the way he performed, and I think it's that Wildcat formation where they always use Miles Gaskin in the shotgun in the past. Now it's Richard Newton out of the shotgun to, to either hand the ball off in a jet suite to a guy like McClatcher or Ahmed or or McGrew or one of those other speedsters. Yep. And, and just in that moment, decide whether or not he wants to tuck it and go if he sees a crease. And and I like his instincts. I think he's big time. And Kamari Pleasant, he's also a tough physical thumper of the back. So I think they don't, you know, look, it's hard to replace Miles Gaskin. The, the guy finished number 11 all time in the history of the game with 5,300 rushing yards. But that being said, they've got all the pieces, and I think they can pick and choose where they want to use those pieces when necessary through the course of the year.
0: How about Nick Harris? you know anything about the injury? I know that that was – maybe there are other injuries that came out of Saturday's win over Easton. Is he okay?
4: I I don't know anything. Um, You know, injury information is very protected around (laughs) the program and understandably so. All I can tell you is what I saw, and what I saw was – you know, he went down in the first half, was, was laying on his side and really seemed to be grimacing in a lot of pain, walked off the field very gingerly, but that was in the first quarter. And by halftime, he was walking into the tunnel under his own power. He was high-fiving people as he went into the tunnel. And then he was on the sideline walking up and down throughout the second half. So, you know, he, it, the, the good news is he's on his own two feet. No crutches or anything like that. And Chris Peterson said at his Monday press conference that he's day to day. So no, no, he said he's going to be a week to week guy. Week to week. So that's that was CP's quote. So I, I think um, you know that's all we're going to really know. Um, you know, I thought Mateo Melee did okay uh, replacing him. It was the first snaps of his career, yeah. and and I, I thought you know he did a really serviceable job from a pass pro standpoint. It's just that snap accuracy is always going to be a, a little tough. There was a quarterback exchange problem with Jacob Sermon in the fourth quarter uh, that the Huskies recovered. So we'll see. I mean, that's certainly going to be a developing storyline through the year.
0: All right. Tony, I'm going to put you on the spot here on your first ever appearance. Hopefully it won't be your last. Hopefully, hopefully I don't offend you so much that you won't come back. Last year, <laughs> Last year, you had the Rose Bowl, a Rose Bowl football team. And a second round, yes, yeah, second round NCAA tournament basketball team to call with all of your great comrades on the radio. How about this year? I had New on last episode, and he said he thinks Washington's gonna be in the college football playoff as the fourth team. I couldn't believe that. And we've got all these young diaper dandies, as Dick Vitale would call them, here in Seattle. One of the great recruiting classes we've ever seen in this town. Is this going to be even a better year for you than Rose Bowl and second round of NCAA tournament? Stick your neck out.
4: Oh, that's tough. <laughs> I, I think on the basketball side, I'll go ahead and say yes. Yeah. Really? No question. Really? I, I, I mean, I've got high hopes for basketball. Yeah, I mean, I've got high hopes How high? For basketball. Football, here's the thing. Um, I'll be i I'll be disappointed if we don't make the second weekend. Well but but again, that's just sitting here in September, right? Yeah. Because like I haven't seen these guys compete against any other college team yet. So like your expectations are always fluctuating throughout the season. So like right now, just watching the athleticism of Stewart or McDaniels in the few practices that I've seen, it's like So super exciting. So I'm going to say second weekend team, at least as far as my September expectations, obviously that could change now football. I'm on the record as saying 12 and 0 wouldn't surprise me. Seven and five wouldn't surprise me. And, and, and that, that's just because who knows, like with all this youth, who knows? Like, I think all these teams that are coming to, to Seattle this year, they're all capable. SC is capable utah is capable even cal is capable right oregon's capable washington state and then you do have tricky road games like at stanford has never been a cakewalk going to the desert has never been a cakewalk and at colorado on november 23rd it could be 75 or it could be 25 degrees outside you, you really just don't know right so i think it's impossible to pick football and that's what i love about it like i I actually hate the the prediction game in football because I think that takes so much well maybe maybe that is the fun of it is like sticking your neck out there and then and then watching yourself be wrong but I just know I just know how unpredictable all this stuff is and that's what I love about it so I hate to make predictions so if you're going to force me to make one after all that as a caveat <laughs> I'll say I'll say, let's go CFP. Let, let's go see. I'm a believer after after this week. Like I'm very very excited. Why not? Hope for the best. I'm going to say CFP.
0: CFP and second week of the NCAA tournament. Boy, does that have a nice combo ring to it? That would
4: be now, You know what? Like like let's. Look, it's my job to get everybody excited. Let's <laughs> go ahead and just say it. The Washington Huskies are going to be the first program in the history of the NCAA to make the Final Four in both college football and college basketball in the same year.
3: <laughs> and,
0: Period. And you heard it here. Let's do it. From Tony Castricone, the voice of the <laughs> dogs on Mitch Unfield. Well Hey, you know, it's really nice. Nice of you to do this and be agreeable to do this. I hope I hope so much that we can visit from time to time over the course of the year. And congratulations uh going back to our days on the daily schnoz and now voice of the dogs i'm i'm really i'm really happy for you and and your your new bride and whatever family you're gonna have so enjoy enjoy seattle and it's great to catch up with you tony thank you for doing this
4: yeah great to talk to you too mitch uh i feel like the luckiest guy in the world to be here and uh i'm happy to do it anytime Uh, i appreciate the invitation
0: the voice of the Huskies, Tony Castricone on a resounding victory for the Dogs on Saturday over Eastern Washington. Jacob Eason with four touchdown passes. Cal awaits next. Okay, all systems go. Jadavion Clowney's a hawk. The Bengals on Sunday. The Huskies against Cal the previous day. How about pizza, craft beer, and football? Zeke's Pizza, a great spot. Number 17, Now open in Woodenville, 135th Avenue Northeast. If you're ever looking for a fun place to go watch the Seahawks or the Huskies or the Cougars or whatever your favorite football team is, I'm telling you, one of the 17 locations of Zeke's Pizza is where it's at. We had a little viewing party at Zeke's last year at the Super Bowl and for the Huskies hoops tournament game Zeke's is a Northwest homegrown pizza company don't forget they do deliver most Zeke's deliver beer and cider and pizza whatever you want you can order online at zeke'spizza.com or call 206-285-8646 let's start viewing some sports let's watch some football and have some great pizza at one of the great 17 locations of Zeke's Pizza homegrown in the Northwest
4: unfiltered
0: We checked off uh, Jadavion Clowney, the Seahawks, the Huskies, the Justin Verlander in his butt with the three no hitters. <laughs> um, this thing, Twitter trends. Can I can I get something off my chest? I got a little, I got a little issue, and I I got a feeling that people are going to say exactly to what I'm about to say. Okay, you know that little thing on the side when you're or on your phone that where it like recommends topics that are hot when you're on Twitter. Yeah, it says trending, right? Yes, I mean, yeah. or something like that trending. Yeah. And then they have names. Why is it that every time I see a name, I think that they've died?
1: That's too high. I'm with you.
0: Every time a name... Like, I'm trying to think who it was. It was Pat Riley today on the day that we're recording this. Pat Riley. And I saw Pat Riley's name and I was like, oh, no. No. And I was like, he... Pat Riley died, and I clicked on the name, and he was dancing was on a cruise boat. The opposite boat of dead. <laughs> he couldn't have been having more fun. He and Dwayne Wade were dancing on a cruise boat. And I'm like, can they do something about this? Am I, or am I just so morbid? Is it because of my morbid side that I think, or is everybody thinking that every time you click one of those names, if, especially if they're a little bit older, sure. you think, okay, that just means that he's, not, he's trending because he died. Why do I think that? Can I think that maybe he was having fun on a cruise in the Caribbean? <laughs>
1: why, why, do
0: I, why do I think
1: that he died? It's a good point. But I, I feel the same way. Whenever I see it, I'm like, no, no, no. Oh, he's just dancing with Dwayne Wade. And he, he looks like an old sea captain now for some reason with the can white they, beard. Can
0: they put a little in parentheses? A lot. Don't worry, not dead. That'd be great. That's a great idea. Yeah. But then anybody who's not in
1: parentheses, you're like, oh. Oh, then you know for sure. You don't have to even click. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you. And I always see that meme of Denzel Washington going, oh, phew. Someone always <laughs> posts that right after, you know. I yeah. saw
0: actually a funny one with Pat Riley. Maybe you've seen this one too. When I clicked it, you know, somebody wrote me, when I heard, when I saw that Pat Riley was trending, and it was a guy running like opposite down an escalator.
1: And he was hey, like, <laughs> yeah, I saw like, that dude. <laughs> you can hear someone say, that's not a good idea. And then he falls down the he's escalator. he's like, yeah. ru-
0: he's like racing, like racing down an escalator yeah, yeah. and he falls down. Anyway, that's my, uh, uh, my favorite tweet. Speaking of Twitter, since I, so I'll tell you what I hate about Twitter. My favorite tweet of the week. Did you see where Georgia State Beat the University of Tennessee. Did you notice that? I did. Biggest see that. upset in college football in Week One or whatever you call it. I felt bad for Tennessee. You do? I do. Why? They're, they're an SEC team. You I know. but I like it when they're
1: good. They were good. They really. Be, like been, Phil Fulmer. Good. Oh, Phil Fulmer. Yeah. The, the chuck wagon
0: thing in the background. Oh, who the, was that know?
1: great receiver they had? Who ended oh, they had up tons. Killing somebody but in a oh, crosswalk. Jesus. Oh, I don't know. I don't. They've um, had tons of points. Stallworth. Players. Oh da- uh, yeah, Dante Stoll. Oh, oh, that's
0: who you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. like
1: that era. You like we, that?
0: You like that end zone with the the checkers? Sure, I've
1: yeah. been to Neyland Stadium. Maybe oh, yeah. that's why I have a soft spot for. Okay, him. well they yeah. they
0: lost to Georgia State. Not good. And there was a tweet. Do you know who Smokey, the Tennessee dog, is? No. So I, I don't know why he's a. I don't think he's the mascot. I think they actually have a volunteer that's a mascot, but Tex he's kind of the unofficial ma- a real dog. Okay. Uh, Smoky the Ten. They have a little uh, thing around. You can't picture t- Smoky the. Ten- I can't. Okay, so they have the Tennessee thing around. He's dressed up in Tennessee's at all the games. Yeah. There was a tweet after the game that said, Smo- Breaking: Smoky the ten- Smoky the dog enters the transfer portal. <laughs>
1: That's hilarious. <laughs> a he him. wants out. There's yeah. a picture of
0: him with a really bad look on his face. Yeah. Smokey the dog <laughs> enters the transfer portal.
1: What is going? And by the way, if you look at it, I think <laughs> Phil Fulmer got fired after losing two games, like two or three games because like, they yeah. were at such a high standard, like yeah. two now, games, you're out of here.
0: And now guys are getting hired for going five and six. They're getting yes. extensions. That's exactly right. I don't know. Awesome job, Tennessee. I, I don't know. Uh, and then speaking of ba- mascots, funny story, Jackson State mascot. Give it to me. 15-yard penalty on the Jas- J- Jackson State Tiger. I meant to click on that. What? Ha- tell me what happened. It really is nondescript. I think it's kind of disappointing when you're, you're expecting to see something like flagrant and funny. Yeah. It really wasn't. So the guy on Jackson State makes an incredible receiver, makes an incredible diving catch in the end zone for a touchdown. And everybody's going to celebrate. And while everybody's going to kind of celebrate him, the defensive player thought maybe he dropped and is trying to pull the i don't know why trying to pull the ball off the out of his hands to try to make make it look like he didn't catch it and so the mascot comes running over and starts pulling the the defensive player off (laughs) really get off of my guy i want to celebrate and and you see the official throws the flag they call
1: 15 yards on the mascot Oh, that poor mascot he's gonna get called into the coach's (laughs) office it's gonna be the worst day of his life i can i can also put that on our face i can also
0: put that on our, our facebook page uh I the Tyler Skaggs thing. Do we want to go down that road one more time? I feel or not? like
1: we hit it a little bit, right? I mean, On 54P. Yeah, yeah. Not on
0: 55. Is there anything left on your
1: on your deal? I forgot is to it. say something about yeah. it, about Jacob Easton. Is that I always come up with these things in my head that are kind of mind blowing to me, like oh that's really cool. But then I like run it by my wife, and she's like oh stupid. okay, stupid. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, like interesting. Yeah. Hey, are you taking Piper to camp tomorrow? Like, you know, that's kind of how I did. Never like as interested as I am. Was
0: there something about Jacob Eason that made So it? yeah,
1: so I was thinking, you don't hear a lot about Eason, that last name, but I do remember a Tony Eason, a quarterback. Are you trying to, yeah. So I, I look it up and Jacob Eason's dad's name? is Tony Eason, I know that. You knew that different guy. Different guy. Yeah. Like, what are the? Yeah. That's
0: so weird, oh, I though, isn't that. it? Yeah, I you knew, knew it was Tony Eason. Why, why do I know that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I knew that.
1: But not the Tony no, Eason. it's not who's, the Tony. We'd probably have like a thirty-five-year-old kid. The by now. Tony
0: Eason is still trying to figure out what happened in the Super Bowl against the Bears.
1: Well, I don't think he started. I think it was.
0: Yeah, he may not. Say, I think he played. Oh, did he? He might have. I mean, everybody played. <laughs> I think the fifth stringer played <laughs> he, in that? Yes. To be fair to him,
1: he took a look at that defense. Tony said, Eason to
0: out of uh, Champ. They called him Champagne Tony Eason. Why? Correct.
1: Champagne, Illinois. is where he was called yeah yeah,
0: I, I happen to know that his father's name is Tony.
1: I thought, why do I know that? Yeah, I don't know. Well, you can put that on a long list of things. that Why, why do I know that, right? It's probably because
0: <laughs> I read something when he was in high school at Lake Stevens, and I was like, oh,
1: my God, his yeah. father's name is Tony <laughs> I did the same thing. I was, like, so excited. Can I give you one more where I got excited and no one else did? You familiar with the wrestler Kamala, the Ugandan no, headhunter? Okay, he no. was a big 80s no. WWF. Kamala. I've known one Kamala my whole life. Believe me, no one's going to love this like I do and then Kamala Harris the politician comes around I, I'm familiar yeah, with her yeah, yeah. so now I know two it's either Kamala or Kamala yeah okay her name's Kamala Harris yeah. the wrestler his name is Jim Harris the only two Kamalas in my life have the same last name isn't that amazing that's the reaction I got from my wife <laughs> That's exactly the reaction I got
0: from my wife. I think I'm having trouble following it. You just said that so fast. I'm trying to well, I'm trying to connect the dots. here. The pro wrestler Kamala. Yeah. His r- uh, real name is Jim Harris. Jim Harris.
1: Yeah. Obviously, he's not from Uganda, <laughs> right? <laughs> he's from like Cleveland or something, right? <laughs> so Jim Harris. I mean, one more Kamala in my life. It's Kamala uh, Harris. That's a crazy coincidence okay. to just me. All right. Okay. Moving on.
0: I don't know. Do you want to go down the Tyler Skaggs thing because it's a really depressing thing?
1: We should probably hit on it. Maybe just let everyone know that. Well, here's what autopsy. I said on 54pi. I, kind of want to
0: because we, we we spent a lot of time on it and um, the uh, the toxicology reports or what do you want to call it the autopsy autopsy report, yeah the the autopsy reports came back this week and people probably saw this and we found out that he died of an accidental overdose in that t- now Tyler Skaggs right July 1st. Angel's Pitcher, I always wonder whether people know. Angel's Pitcher, 20-something years old, found dead in the in the hotel room when they're facing the Texas Rangers. I think he was
1: 27. 27. And there's a 27 club, coincidentally enough, of famous people who pass away at 27. Yeah, Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, oh, Jimi I Hendrix. I don't yeah.
0: know. All right, so 27, and everybody's wondering, what the hell happened? What the hell? It was just, it was really, it's, you know, obviously incredibly sad when you find a kid like that. Uh, dead in a hotel room, uh, a professional athlete, whether it's a professional athlete or anybody else. And we all were just like, just, just devastated by it. And then you wait like two months, July, August, right? Two months, and it comes out that he was mixing, what was he mixing? Uh, Alcohol was, and what? Opioids, opioids and
1: fentanyl, which is an, another opioid. Fentanyl. It's like so very, very strong.
0: He was doing this on purpose, right? For a high? I
1: would, I would assume, yes. Or maybe and trying to help him to get to sleep maybe or, you know. Really? To do, you would do both of those just to, just to try to fall asleep? Maybe you're in pain or you... Because fentanyl, it's, it's a pain medication that's used together with other medications for anesthesia. So it's very, very powerful. Yeah. So fentanyl is not something to mess with. It's not like taking a Vicodin.
0: I guess what I want to say about this, and I maybe it's just easier easier not to say it and just to avoid the sub- subject altogether. It's it's something that I, kind of I look in the mirror. I ha- I just have this kind of guilty feeling about all this. When when we find out that a kid like that dies and we don't know why and he just dies overnight, I, I don't know about you. I was thinking about that for a week, like what happened and god did this, did he have a heart
1: attack or did, you know did he could it be avoided it's like what i always uh, think yeah like, i, I what, was just what? i was
0: just so heartbroken and then two months later you see the news of an overdose and and this is what i want to kind of discuss maybe you're not the person to discuss this <laughs> with well, maybe i need to lay down when i discuss it but the first thing I, you know you think and I, maybe it's human nature and I, I i don't want to hate myself over this is like oh it like takes the edge off to find out that it was something not something that he could have controlled on some level. It it just I, I, I hate myself for not feeling as heartbroken now as I did when I found out that he died. I guess that's what I'm saying. I guess the
1: best way to articulate. Are you it. really not as heartbroken?
0: I am. I, I yeah, am, but, I don't know that's I, but, but now that say. there's an explanation and that he obviously had problems and emotional problems and he did something and, and he overdosed and whatever, for for whatever reason it, it takes it takes the edge off for me, and I don't want it to. I mean, who, who cares how he died, yeah, right? Yeah. The, a 27-year-old had such issues, and maybe an addiction problem that we don't know about. Although they're saying he was not addicted, and they're blaming. They're. they're do you know that they're, the family's suing the Angels? That's not the uncommon, family is though. suing the Angels because somebody was. He. They think somebody was feeding them this this stuff, but but I don't know. I just want to be. I guess what I'm saying to you is, I, I'm, I'm obviously I, I'm I. My heart bleeds for that family, and uh, it's such a shame that a 27. I just want to not. Why does how a person dies matter? It should not matter. It should not take the edge off. You should be equally as heartbroken whether the kid overdosed or he w- walked in front of a truck or it was an accident or it was controlled. It should be equally, it's a 27 year old and I just want to be as heartbroken as I was. That's what I'm trying to say.
1: Does that make any sense? It does, but I think you're right. I think that's a better question for someone while you're laying down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for me, I almost go the other way. I'm like, oh my God, it's so avoidable. If he just doesn't take that pill that night or cuts yeah. back on the booze a yeah. little bit, for yeah. me, it's like I wish I could just barge through the hotel room and tackle him, you know? Because right, right. So, if you hear that somebody had a heart condition they didn't know about and their heart just gives out, you go, well, that's just nature, right? I mean, that was going to happen. This, to me, is almost worse. Like, oh, you didn't have to go. It's so avoidable. So I'm like the opposite of you. But yeah. again, it shouldn't matter how he died. It doesn't it's, matter. It's sad. It's, it's, it's sad either beyond way. Beyond sad. Yep.
0: Beyond sad. And I just really feel for that family and... Ugh, yeah, it's an awful story.
1: I think they said he he choked on his own vomit, which is something that we've heard of in the past with like John Bond on the drummer for Led Zeppelin went that way. They're saying Jimi Hendrix might have gone that way. Bond Scott, the lead singer for ACDC. So I remember hearing that a lot as a kid about music. It would happen to musicians. You get so drunk and then the alcohol tries to come up, but you're so out of it because of the pills that it blocks your throat. It's an awful way to go. And that's what happened with him? That's what they're saying happened to him, yeah. Uh, that fentanyl just and knocks no, you out. And there's out. nobody
0: in the room with him, right? These guys don't have roommates. If he had a roommate, he would be
1: alive today, right? Potentially could be alive if you start hearing him throwing up or something, yeah. It's awful. The whole thing is just brutal, yeah. Uh, yeah and it's avoidable, just avoidable. Just be careful out there with that stuff. Mixing them all up. All right, this has been Death Talk on <laughs> 102. I mean, I know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's awful, but I think we had to talk about it. 'Cause it is a big news story and yeah. I'm glad you said how you feel. Okay. Anything else? NFL
0: seasons here. Fantasy football tomorrow night as as we Ooh. record this on a Monday, Tuesday night, fa- Mitch, Mitch Unfiltered Fantasy Football of Daniels. You'll be there?
1: I will be there. I'm gonna leave for hey, by the way, did you see Jalen Hurts' debut? Can we talk oh about that god. for a second?
0: It was Mar- it was Mar- it was Tuyasa Sopo like. Marcus Tuyasa Sopo like, right? It was close, yeah. What did Mar- what did Tuyasa Sopo
1: do in that game against Stanford? Was pass that- for three hundred, rush for two hundred? Oh my god. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, he, I think he rushed for 150, maybe. For you know. Oklahoma? I mean, is there any way, first of all, for those that don't know, he passed for, what was it, ran for 150, passed for, I think, 300. Yes, Six yeah. touchdowns, three of them running, three of them passing. He looked like, the, is there any way Oklahoma and Alabama don't meet in the playoffs? It has to happen, right? Can you imagine how great that game will be?
0: Him don't, against Alabama. Him against Nick Saban. Oh, would
1: be so I, I, great. I,
0: I, I've, uh, and I don't want to use that expression. I was just going to use an expression that's not appropriate for right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I've am i had enough. Let's put it this way. I've had enough of Clemson versus Alabama. Yeah, I think we all have. So I'll take Oklahoma. I'll take Jalen Hurts. You know, anybody who sticks it to, to Nick Saban is good by me. I love Nick Saban being on the losing end because it doesn't happen very often. So if Jalen Hurts is, can, can stick it to his former ball coach,
1: I'm in. So great. 332 passing yards, 176 rushing right. in. By the way, in three quarters. Amazing. Wow. The only other quarterback to do that in the last 15 years, Johnny Manziel. Uh, episode Oral Hershiser, episode Junior Seau, Leroy Jordan, Otis Wilson,
0: Larry Murphy, Derek Brooks, uh, your boy... Your boy, number
1: 55 in college. I, the can't, Boz. I can't do that. The Kemba, the First of all, he was 55 in the pros, 44 in college. Yeah, 40, Please I'm get sorry, that I right. Got, How got dare got you solely his good yeah, name, Yeah, yes. that's
0: right. 55, that's right. 55. He was wearing 55 when Bo Jackson. Took a better angle.
1: <laughs> Is that what you were going to say? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Took a good angle on him? I feel like uh, if, you want, if you want me to do it for I don't. you, I don't. I'll, I, do, it,
0: I'll do episode Boz for you
1: if you want. It's it. not fair. I, I
0: never liked Bosworth because I was a Vinny Testaverde guy. Wasn't it Testaverde and Bosworth? Oh, who Miami, one Oklahoma you. had some uh, wars. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't think I, – I, I think it, if you want to do it legitimately, I think it comes down to who was better, Oral Hershiser as a baseball pitcher or Junior Seau as a as a linebacker in the NFL?
1: I think Junior Seau. I mean, he ended up coming back. Remember, he played for the Patriots and ended up moving positions and then won a ring with C-T-E,
0: them. C-T-E, just another yeah. one. Buddy. drove himself off the cliff.
1: The I first think. time, right. The first time he said it was yeah. an accident, but yeah. we don't know. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it to Junior Sale. That would be my pick. Episode Junior? Episode Junior. Episode Junior is in
5: the books.